This is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast podcast. It's Tuesday, October 26, 2021, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior! America! Steak. For breakfast! So stand by! This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Mm. They got rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, anything you need to make barbecue great again. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off your order. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. They're at stayreadygear.com and on Instagram, stayreadygearusa. Holsters, custom Kydex, mag carriers, anything you could possibly need made out of that hot melted plastic. Use the code STEAK for 5% off. Don't get ready. Stay ready. The world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording gear can be found at odyssey.com. They're on Facebook and Instagram. Whether you're, uh, always feel like somebody's watching you, Ooh. gaming or podcasting like us, odyssey.com's got everything you need to take care of those audio needs. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms. He's been servicing Southern California for over a decade. He's got a five-star rating. If you're into tradies, license FFL. He's at 619-870-6992, westcoastsurvivalarms.com, and on Facebook Messenger. All of our first responders, we love them. We appreciate them. We hope they don't get fired next month. Oof. But in the meantime, MediocreMedic.com can outfit them with uh, on and off gear, tactical gear that they'll just absolutely look so handsome doing. Uh, fanny packs, sweatshirts, flip-flops, patches for your EMS bags, etc., Keep sending us those screenshots of listening to uh, Steak for Breakfast in the ambulances and on the fire trucks and keep outfitting yourself with gear from MediocreMedic.com. And finally, the Patch Father, Mark Joe Friday, Dumpbox.us, home of the Zero Fuck Stuck. If you don't know, you better ask somebody because you're going to waste a lot of money once you get there and see all the tactical gear done right. So much money. It's the top tier of tactical gear down at Dumpbox.us. They're on Facebook and Instagram as well. And on that note, Welcome. Tuesday edition, Steak for Breakfast podcast. I'm Roan. I'm joined today by Noah. What's happening? Antoinette will be along in a bit. And and we've got a returning guest today. Uh, she's joining us for the second time. She's the host of the Weekly Briefing on One America News. She's a former Marine, lawyer, one of our favorite journalists, Miss Christina Bob. Thanks for coming back to Steak for Breakfast. Hey, thanks for having me back. Love the show. And we love you and all the work that you do for uh, the community and, and reporting all the the news that's happening and how much it's changed since we've had you on the last time. Oh my gosh. It's, it's bananas. Like the world has lost its mind. <laughs> uh, no yeah. Detected. I mean, and thanks for your podcast too. I mean, we're all, this is what it's all about, right? Is America just stepping up and filling in for the filling in, in the positions that our leaders and our media haven't been filling in for the last few decades. So everyone just trying to pull together and make America great again. Yeah, we sure are. Let's let's kind of get caught up since last time we had you on. I, I mean, I know you're super busy and you probably won't remember. We were about a week before the Arizona, the Maricopa results initially came out. 
Um, the news in regards to the audits has changed dramatically since then. I know you've covered a lot of the stuff going on, whether it be still in Arizona, Georgia, Wisconsin. Why don't you give us kind of a little bit of an update on, on some of the uh, election integrity stuff that's going on right now? Yeah, so Wisconsin actually has had some big moves. Uh, they had a report come out on Friday from the Legislative Audit Bureau that found 44,272 uh, voters have never shown an ID to vote. Mm. Uh, they voted in 2020 as indefinitely confined voters. Um, normally, indefinitely confined voters have to show IDs to register, and then they request an indefinitely confined uh, ballot. This time around, uh, there's normally about 16,000 indefinitely confined voters in the state. In 2020, there were about 200,000. Mm. Uh, so that was a huge increase. And then um, the the 44,000 actually have never shown ballots. They, they're just voters, so we have no idea who they are. No one in the government has ever actually checked to see who they are. So that was a pretty, I thought, a pretty egregious finding. Uh, it's more than double the margin of victory in the state. I know there's a lot of grassroots efforts happening in Wisconsin, and the legislature's taking very seriously those grassroots efforts and considering their findings. And so I actually expect to see Wisconsin step up and kind of be the next big state that's really taking a good close look at election integrity. Yeah, it's pretty so interesting I, how they've come to the forefront super fast. I mean, yeah, they really have. And I think, you know, Arizona's cooling off a little bit in the sense that, you know, the attorney general has taken over the investigation and he's doing his part to look into everything. But that's going to take a few months. And so the Senate and the legislature has pretty much said, OK, attorney general, do your thing and we'll we'll see your findings when you're done with them. So Brnovich is doing that. And while he's while he's doing his criminal investigation, you've got Wisconsin stepping up to kind of be the next, you know, the next state that's really championing this. So, yeah, good, good things are happening. Now, Noah and I aren't lawyers like you and <laughs> probably aren't lawyers like Mark Brnovich. But I, I know it takes a long time to become a lawyer. There's a lot of tests and schooling that you have to do. I don't have time for that. But I, I hope yeah. I, I hope solely his criminal investigation doesn't just include going on Sean Hannity to talk about the Southwest border and doing nunchuck videos on Instagram. I hope so too. Yeah. Um, he, you know, it does make me feel a little bit better that he's running for U S Senate. Yes. And so if you're running for office, you should take your role very seriously. And I know the people of Arizona are watching him closely as, you know, as you guys are and yep. the rest of the country is. And so I think he knows that he's got a, got to do a real investigation. I also think he's been a part of the establishment a little bit and yeah. is probably nervous to really come out swinging. So I don't know. I, I don't know what we'll find. I think, I think he'll come up with something, um, whether it's going to be a home run, a triple hole, double, yeah. I don't know. As long as he gets to base, you know, just find something, you know, make contact with the ball. That's all I care about. Yeah, so. That's definitely a good point because like you'd mentioned, he is running for Senate where in turn the people become the carrot. So if, yeah, if yeah, that's if, exactly right, if he wants those votes, there's, there's one way to guarantee him getting over the finish line and that's to produce something from this criminal investigation into the Maricopa County audit. Yep. Were you, yep. uh, were you disappointed to see the, uh, Garland Favorito, uh, vote GA case tossed by judge Amaro about a week and a half ago? Uh, I know they're going to be refiling and there's going to be some stuff going on there, but yeah. it just seemed like the one judge in the country who actually was going to take this seriously at, at, at initial, uh, you know, lawsuit kind of just backed off. Yeah. Yeah. I, 
I was disappointed, not surprised. Right. Uh, the finding or the the decision actually, I thought was quite telling um, as far as the rationale for throwing the case out. So they've been litigating that case for 10 months. That means the judge has been willing to listen to both sides for 10 months, debate the right to inspect absentee ballots. And then 10 months into the process, the judge says, oh, wait a second, the plaintiffs don't have standing to even bring this case. The fact that he threw it out on standing to me says that there's there's something weird going on. Normally, if somebody doesn't have standing, that's thrown out at the very beginning and in, in one of the original hearings, because it means you don't have standing to even argue the case in the first place. So the fact that he let them argue it for 10 months and then said, oh, wait, 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 you don't have standing. I think uh, it, it just smells funny. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the standing is just like the BS Uno reverse card right now. Just there's going to use it whenever. Yeah, it definitely is. And, and it's not like they haven't, you know, they did, they had a solid case. They had good backing. Uh, they were able to initially look at some stuff in regards to the absentee ballots and yep. say, hey, these claims that we're making, they seem to be substantiated. We need to do some more research and, and validate our claims. Let's do it. And it went on like that for, you know, six and a half months. And then all of a sudden, that's what happens when you send those high-powered defense attorneys down to combat something like a voter integrity issue like they did with uh, that case in Georgia. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's indicative of the, the situation we're in where we believe that the election was fraudulent and that the people who are in those offices aren't legitimately in there. And now they're blocking any efforts to try to check and see if they are. So I think it, it really just confirms what we all already knew is there were problems with the election. There were crimes committed surrounding the election. Who committed the crimes, you know, intentionally who knew what and when did they know it? You know, that's all stuff that still needs to be figured out. But um, until then, I think everyone still needs to stay consistent and persistent and just keep going. Uh, grassroots efforts around the country have been quite fruitful as yes. far as information that they're able to discover. So although the court blocked them from getting the actual ballots, they can still look at voter rolls. They can look at chain of custody documents. You know, Laura Baggert's done some really great reporting in Georgia on the chain of custody documents for mm -hmm. the drop boxes and where the money came from. So I hope people don't lose heart by this case. It's disappointing, but it, it is not by any means the end of the road for Georgia at all. I think the citizens just need to continue, keep doing what they're doing, continue to look, continue to, to put pressure on the elected officials and um, just, just keep going. I mean, that's the end of the, that's the moral of the story, right? Just keep going. We're not done. Yeah. And it's like president Trump always says, you know, we do have these elections coming up in the next year and then in, in 2024, but there's no way we can even think about focusing on them solely uh, yeah. until we get to the bottom of what happened in 2020, even if it's just to get a disposition that this is what happened, why these are the people who were involved. Let's make sure something like that doesn't happen moving forward. Well, how are you going to trust the system now? And just it, like when we did the recall election for Mussolini in California, it's mm -hmm. like, yeah, that seemed like it was totally legitimate. Right. I don't, I don't know if you took a deep dive into those numbers, but just some of the ones that we broke down, Gavin Newsom, after the recall was initiated, took that vote at a 10% higher clip than he did just running as candidate. Yeah, Newsom. I did. So when they wanted to recall him, he actually became more popular. Right. After he locked down the state, destroyed Weird. small businesses. Yeah. yeah. Ruined the middle class and did nothing. That sounds legitimate. Right. Kept his business open, didn't vaccinate his own daughter. Um, you know, you name it. Took vacations to Montana, Hawaii, and Cancun. And he yep. was just awesome the whole time. 
But uh, yeah. let's jump into some of the current news. We're going to cover uh, some of the uh, events that happened over the weekend first with you. Awesome. There was something in Vegas, uh, the Patriot Double Down. Kind of a event. There was a lot of people there. Everybody from some prominent figures like Wendy Rogers and General Flynn all the way down to, you know, uh, frontline doctors like Dr. Stella and some famous actors. We're going to listen to a couple audio clips from their short ones. Circling back to Arizona, as we mentioned first, um, we had uh, Ron Watkins. I don't know if you saw. Uh, he is threw his name in the hat for Arizona 1 in, in, in a in a run for office. Have you heard about that, Christina? I haven't. Yeah, he announced his candidacy last week after campaigning for uh, Maricopa audit results outside of Mark Burnovich's office for two weeks. He had done like a uh, GOP-sponsored event where he met with Wendy Rogers, and he said after a long, heartfelt conversation with her, felt compelled to run and announce his candidacy for Arizona 1. For Arizona 1? Is that... Whose seat is that? I'm not sure off the top of my head, but interesting. Yeah, he 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 did like a announcement right in front of Mark Burnovich's office last week, and then he spoke at this event over the weekend about uh, election integrity and how you can help break the matrix in regards to future stolen elections. Let's hear what he had to say. All right. So the question is, how many people do we need to get out to the ballot box to screw up their system? We need everybody. Oh. We need everybody. I like that math. We need a tsunami of votes. We need... So, you know, when everybody says, yeah, California is going to fall off the face of the earth? <laughs> we need that. We need that amount of votes. Like, yeah. <laughs> we need a massive amount of votes, and we need everybody to get out there and, uh, and to, help, to help get great candidates in for 2022. And 2022 is... We're going to flip Congress. We're going to flip the Senate. And we're going to fix the presidency. And then you could definitely tell that some of those Wendy Rogers-sponsored, you know, um, campaign points that he's mentioning when he talks about that at the end. I just think it's pretty interesting that he's kind of come back into the mix after starring in an HBO documentary late last year um, to kind of reinsert himself into American politics. What do you feel about that? Um, I think... I like his enthusiasm and I like his call to have everybody get involved and everybody vote and everybody volunteer. Certainly, you know, we learned from 2020 that we need more Republican poll watchers. We need Republican challengers. We need Republican attorneys at at each of these precinct levels. We need different shifts. So people aren't there for 24 hours at a time, but then you've got folks who can cover the midnight shifts. So we don't have these truckloads of ballots coming in, in the middle of the night. So um, I think he's, he's right about everybody getting involved. Um, And I love the passion to, uh, to actually run for office. I think that's great. I hope a lot of people end up doing that. So yeah, I don't know more about the race. I'd be curious to see what seat, whose seat he's running for and why why that seat, you know, because there's a lot of different positions you can run for. So um, I'd want to know why he chose that seat, why he thinks that's the most important seat for him to run for. But Or maybe um, most vulnerable. Yeah, I like his passion. Yeah, it's definitely uh, something to uh, be looking for. Oh, it's, it's Tom O'Halloran. Oh, yeah. okay. And, and uh, in 2018, he actually defeated Wendy Rogers. No kidding. Yeah. So he he was the winner of that seat. And, and maybe that's why there's a Wendy Rogers, Ron Watkins connection. I mean, she she's went and found a, a seat in a district where she's been able to uh, kind of do her thing in Arizona. And now going back, she's going to help kind of 
yeah, with, with a campaign to yeah to make up for. I actually do remember his name because he was like making fun of his name when he did his initial announcement. But I just thought it was kind of interesting to see, you know, he he's in it now and uh, how popular yeah, that person was. Yeah, that's interesting, was. and it's interesting because that's a U.S. House seat. Yes. Um, that's funny because to flip the election, you'd want to be in the state house because it's the state legislature that would flip it. Right. But, it, but to be fair, um, once all of the states, you know, let's say Arizona, Wisconsin, and one of the other ones, if they flip it, it would be up to Congress to actually act or not act on it. So either way, I guess both rules are important. At this rate, who knows what Congress would do right now? Well, right now, I don't think they would do anything. I don't even think they would acknowledge it. So I'm, I'm okay. I mean, I say this, I don't totally agree with what I'm saying, but to some extent I'm okay waiting. These states are taking so long to finish their investigations and to just get their stuff in order that at this rate, it could be after the 22 election that we actually have legitimate people in the state offices. And it might be after the 22 election that they actually decide to decertify, which At that point, great, because then the Republicans have taken the House, Republicans have taken the Senate, and and Congress might actually do something about it at that point. So the delay isn't necessarily a bad thing, you know? No, not at all. Um, One of the other person who spoke, and I don't know if you've seen anything from this event. It was a a pretty cool event. There was a lot of uh, good speakers there. Um, Jim Caviezel. No kidding. He was there? He spoke at... um, a couple of Clay Clark's Reawaken America Tour uh, events. and uh, Oh, that's awesome. He's great. He definitely is. And he combined, actually, a portion of the speech from the end of Braveheart. Nice. With a, no kidding. With, with, a, with one of Ronald Reagan's more memorable speeches as he kind of rounded out his portion of the speaking event. And let, let's kind of hear that right now. Yeah. Man says, no, we'll run and we'll live. Yep, fight and you may die. Run and you'll live. Nice. For at least a while. And dying in your beds many years from now, would you have been willing to trade all the years from this day to that for one chance? Just one chance to come back here and tell our enemies that you can take our lives, that you can never take our freedom. Every man dies. Not every man truly lives. You, 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 we must fight for that authentic freedom and live, my friends. By God, we must live. And with the Holy Spirit as your shield and Christ as your sword, may you join St. Michael and all the angels in defending God and sending Lucifer and his henchmen straight right back to hell where they belong. We are headed into the storm of all storms. Yes, the storm is upon us. But not without Jesus, our rudder. And in the words of Reagan, evil is powerless if the good are unafraid. God bless you. 
So some pretty good stuff there, kind of hyping up the crowd. Yeah, that's really good. That's really powerful. I've, I've been making jokes about people doing like fake Braveheart speeches, but that was the actual Braveheart speech. That's yeah. pretty good. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I can't wait for either one of his next two movies to come out. Yeah. I mean, he is doing the one about the uh, HSI special agent who went around the world saving traffic children. And no kidding. Yeah, it's a true story, actually. The and preview is just a tearjerker just in and of itself. I yeah. can't even imagine the actual movie. I'll send it to you, Christina. Wow. It's, it's it's pretty good. It's It was done by a famous director, too. They, they've It's been a long time coming. It keeps getting delayed because of edits, but it looks like they've done it right. In addition to, obviously, Passion of the Christ Part 2. <laughs> can't hate that one. <laughs> so, the remix. Um, the remix. I was going to say, what's, what's the next part? I'm so curious. <laughs> what happens after the resurrection? Well, I, I think it's going to focus uh, pretty much on, on some of the journeys of the apostles moving forward and spreading of the gospel and how oh, yeah, Jesus was kind of intertwined in their life. It's not going to go like Mad Max or... Oh, it kind of <laughs> went like Mad Max when uh, he went on Stephen Colbert. <laughs> Ran him. We are going to jump more into a little bit of the mainstream now, unfortunately. Um, one of the things we focused on for like the last couple of weeks is the January 6th committee. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure at least the three of us aren't fans of it mm. at all. And, right. and the abuses of power that are, are going around, um, since it's, inc- Oh, that's the indefinitely confined people. Right. Well, th- thank you, Nancy Pelosi, uh, going down the list. They, they've pretty much got down to the bottom of the barrel. They're right now at Steve Bannon. And then after him, it's probably going to be Jack Posobiec is the last two people who they kind of tried to run through the ringer in regards to, uh, you know, all the stuff that's going on, dragging them through the mud and trying to get into all their social medias and find out who their White House insiders are and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but Joy Reid, also probably not a huge fan of this show, uh, did her little weekend spiel and was talking about how important things like the January 6th committee are because if and when... Republicans get back in power, they're going to take it and not give it back. Kind of interesting because we always talk about it. They, they literally say and do what they're actually doing. Yeah. Yeah. So, they're the masters at projecting all yes. of their own illegal activity. They somehow do this voodoo trick and convince the public that Republicans, who unfortunately are doing nothing at all, are actually doing all of the corrupt stuff that, that they're doing themselves. So. Yeah, they project all of their illegal activities onto the Republican Party that's sitting there doing nothing. Let's hear how chief role she was on her Sunday morning show. They are now building all of the pressure within their base to believe that there is a completely illegitimate United States government in power. And you, when you can convince people, especially you know people like Madison Cawthorn, mm. thinking that you have to go in and resolve these issues with the Second Amendment, and with this bizarre belief in what they think the Constitution says, because the Constitution doesn't say anything about what they did other than sedition, then you have the basis of where you could have broad-based political violence. But they fully intend to take back power. And when they do, they will not relinquish it. We just saw it in Sudan. They're on their Twitter feeds right now wondering why we can't do in the United States what happened in Sudan yesterday. Well, what an awful gaslighting kind of comment yeah. to make. Saying now, now, I don't know if you guys got, he was comparing some of the stuff that's going across social medias of on the ground in Sudan to what conservatives and patriots in the United States wish would happen here which would be a full military coup uh, dissolving the government and moving forward, you know, charging people in the media with right. all that stuff and, and taking it from there. I mean, that's not necessarily the case. 
I, no, it's not the case at all. And I, I would venture to say the vast majority of conservatives here don't want physical violence. No, they don't want an actual war. They want the president they voted for. They want the administration that they voted for. And to say that this is somehow um, a cause of the conservative base is completely misleading. We're seeing all kinds of polls that are coming out saying most of America, it's not most Republicans, it's most of America believes that Biden cheated to get into office and that he is not legitimately the president. He was not the lawfully elected president. So that's the coup. That is the illegal takeover of the United States government. And to try to say that those who want to correct that and fix the fact that we do have an illegitimate government in the White House and in many of these uh, government agencies right now, no, they're trying to correct it. And so you're right. I, I mean, it's completely gaslighting and mm -hmm. it's, it's they operate off of fear. Yes. They can't get anybody to follow them or they can't they can't win on policy because their policies don't work. So they have to scare people or they have to excite people emotionally to follow them and to believe what they say, because otherwise they're just their policies alone don't work. doesn't cut it. And, and speaking of things that aren't working, um, when you get into Mr. 80 million votes himself, 81, <laughs> and, and we'll, we'll jump into that in just a minute after we're done with this segment, but the, the narrative has collapsed so fast. He's, been down more percentage points faster than any president ever since World War II. That's a fact in, in, yeah. in approval rating. Um, someone who, who supposedly earned more votes than any other person in the history of the universe also has gone from probably 100% on election day, according to CNN and MSNBC, mm -hmm. approval rating, yeah. uh, down into the low 30s with independents in the high 20s. Um, and they have nothing working for them right now. Every single no, one of their policies pass. have This is not a legitimate presidency. Yes. And I, I would be willing to bet that they're surprised at how quickly and how badly they failed because most other presidencies have been able to at least ride off of some of the successes of the past administration. Mm -hmm. But this administration is so bad. This is what happens with corruption. It yep. can't withstand its own weight. And it's just completely failing. It, it, they've, they're giving out under the weight of the office and under the weight of responsibility. They can't stand up under it. And we're watching it crumble before our eyes. And they want to blame Trump or they want to blame conservatives or they want these fake you know, insurrections investigator, whatever it is. But the reality is they just don't pass as legitimate. No, they certainly don't. And speaking of fake insurrection investigations, Oof. Sister Nance, Nancy Pelosi, <laughs> um, Bloody Mary in hand, joined Jake Trapper on his Sunday show to talk about Steve Bannon and the whole narrative behind that. Um, after it seemed like blaming Donald Trump and all of his children, people like Dan Scavino, and, 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 you know, surrogates close to him like that, it wasn't going to catch. She's moved down now to the people who are more in the public sector. Like I said, Steve Bannon and Jack Posobiec, and that's kind of where she's at now. Let's hear a little bit of what's going on in her mind mm -hmm. when talking about the whole Steve Bannon narrative. Congress for ignoring a subpoena. Do you think people who refuse to comply with congressional subpoenas should be prosecuted by the Justice Department and at the end of the day go to jail? Not in Maricopa. Yes. You do? I do. I do. Well, first of all, this, you know, people say, well, this hasn't happened before. We haven't had an insurrection incited by the President of the United States Still and one yeah. of his toadies uh, having knowledge of, advanced knowledge of toadies. that happening. Uh, so, in fact, it's important for a number of reasons. It's important for us to find the truth 
about what happened on January 6th, an assault on our Constitution, our Congress, and our Capitol. But it's also important to, in terms of the separation of power and the uh, checks and balances of the of the Constitution, which is the genius of the Constitution, Absolutely. for this uh, to happen in this way. So you're willing, if the, well, if the committee decides to, to subpoena Trump, you're willing to have that happen, too? I'm not. They have everything on the table. I don't get involved okay. in the decisions oh, yeah, of the committee. Right. Mm. But when you say if he should uh, do this and go to jail, well, he'll be tried and see what his, court. what his... Yeah, what court hearing. Court is. I want you to take a listen to a key moment um, in which... We're going to skip that part. Um, yeah, but just pretty interesting to see. We did have Merrick Garland up on Capitol Hill. We covered that in our last episode and how, you know, it turned into a dunk fest from all that, the, the House Republicans of the narratives that were getting absolutely destroyed with him. Everything from weaponizing the DOJ and using the FBI as his personal police force all the way do, down to the conflicts of interest he has both with his wife in regards to voter integrity projects and her stopping audits and his son-in-law and the $75 million he's made off of spreading critical race theory throughout the United States. Yeah, um, it's completely corrupt. Everything about this administration is completely corrupt. It's dangerous to the American way of life. It's dangerous to the American Constitution. And no one should take Nancy Pelosi or her cronies seriously for her to say, yes, we need to subpoena them and we need to conduct this investigation. And then in the same sentence, try to absolve herself of responsibility for actually conducting the investigation. I don't get, oh, well, get well, involved. Well, I don't get involved in that. Okay, come on, Nancy. What are you? Yeah. What are you doing? You either believe you need to do it or you don't. And if you don't, why not? And um, she's got I her crib keeper fingers and everything. She's concerned that once Trump's back in office, once she gets subpoenaed, and once this does flip, and once a real investigation is undertaken, I think there's going to be a lot of people who are quite scared. Oh yeah. Yeah. There, there's a lot in me. I, I am really hopeful that once this infrastructure and budget stuff finally falls through, and we hold the line on that. Um, yeah, that she's going to retire because after that, there's not a policy that she could tie her wagon to that's going to get already retiring. Well, she's put an end date to it going into 2022 because she sees the writing on the wall. She knows there's going to be a massive red wave. Yeah. And she's going to just go back to sitting there and no one listening to her. Now she gets to stand up in front of everybody and no one listens to her. But I think once this thing, I mean, you've seen so many things like the uh, governor race in Georgia, the governor race in New Jersey, things that are kind of unprecedented happening in both of those places, even though. Republicans are usually elected governor in New Jersey when, when Democrats move into the Oval Office. Um, you also have, you know, like I said, the failed infrastructure bill and the, you know, uh, kicking the football down the road till December with the budget. So with all the failed foreign policies and how bad the economy is right now, they're, they're, they're going after her numbers next. And, and, and right now she's one of the last people that can actually walk around and not get booed when she goes out in public, even mm-hmm. though it, it, it's happened too. Um, Steve Bannon talked about some of those things regarding the money and the Democrats uh, over the weekend at a GOP sponsored event in Pima County. He's taken the War Room podcast on tour and uh, is kind of, you know, he's gone to Pennsylvania. He's been down to Georgia. They're going to Arizona and, and they're going to be hitting a few other places. Let's hear what he kind of had to say in regards to holding the line, the Patriot movement and how these constituents and areas all over the United States and their effect on the government right now is really kind of, you know, making the difference. All right. The mainstream media is now the oligarchs in Silicon Valley in the mainstream media. They are the issue, right? It's not these feckless Democrats. You're sitting up there listening to 2, 3, and 2.5 trillion, 3.5 trillion. You got Bernie Sanders, AOC. It's, it's ridiculous. It's absurd. People can't take that seriously. And they don't take it seriously. 
Where's the mandate? By the way, I keep asking, where on the campaign did they ever walk through that and do any due diligence? Where did they ever present that to the American people? It's one of the reasons the independents are falling to the floor. Independents never heard of it. Independents never saw it. Independents didn't know about it. Nobody knew about the radical nature of what they were trying to do. And remember, with all the pro wrestling in the foreground, what they're trying to do, they're trying to, unlike Obama, they're really trying to radically transform this country. If these spending bills are passed, it's going to be virtually impossible to unwind it. Mm -hmm. But you have all the leverage. Remember how we just let them off the hook. On S September 30th, with the continuing resolution and the debt ceiling, you had these rats jammed up, right? Because let's understand what the scam is. Here's the scam. We allowed them all summer to do this infrastructure bill, which is this radical, you know, uh, clean energy, half-baked ideas, right? That's driving up energy costs like crazy in this 3.5 trillion set of madness. When they didn't take their time and actually do the work in the appropriations, come back and talk about what's the thing on the federal government. Remember, here's the problem. We have $1 trillion to $1.5 trillion deficits every year in perpetuity. In perpetuity. We take in $3.5 trillion of revenue, and we basically have $3.5 trillion of transfer payments, Medicaid, Medicare, Social Security. That's in perpetuity. Congressional Budget Office tells us that. Right? Not some Trump, not, not uh, human events or national pulse of the war room. How are you going to finance that? Nice plugs. Can you increase taxes? Maybe, marginally. Maybe. It'll hurt productivity. Maybe. You can sell some bonds to the Chinese, to the Japanese insurance companies, to the Gulf Emirates. You can sell some of those. But it's just going to, you know, quantitative easing or printing money, all these fancy terms. You know what that is? That's just an IOU from you. That's just on your kids. And they lay out the math. If we go down this path, it's $45 trillion by 2031. Oh. And, of course, they're sitting there going, oh, it doesn't matter. It's going to be these productivity increases they're paying for. It's all blatant lies. And, in fact, it's such a lie, they have so little respect for you, they don't even do any work to try to pour it forth. They just state it. It's just an assertion. And the media takes it, and that's the great debate you see on TV and people further brow and talk about this. all nonsense, all crap. Christina, what's your opinion on Steve Bannon? I mean, he's done a lot. We talk about it on the show all the time. He's one of the people that's solely responsible for helping it, getting Donald Trump into the Oval Office in, in 2016. In addition, rooting out some of those really bad hires that were, were made at the start of the Trump administration, namely like the Chris Christie proxy people that came in and just kind of had more of a you know typical Beltway style of looking at things and, and really got them out before stepping down and then picking up the podcast on... Uh, in uh, 2018. So how do you yeah. feel about him? Yeah, well, in that clip you just played, I, I think he's exactly right. Mm -hmm. he, he hit the nail right on the head there. I mean, there's no disputing it. He makes the, the fantastic point about uh, the media not actually showing you facts, not actually showing you science, but just talking about what they want you to believe that it is and hope you don't question their facts. And I think another really key distinction that he made in that clip was the difference between the the radical left elite and he refers to them as silicon valley yeah. or the media the oligarchs um versus the democrats and i would i would completely agree with him that your average democrat american is not the problem no. right it's no. the 
the principles that American Democrats believe in are not the problem. The problem is these oligarchs, as he refers to them, whether it's big tech, you know, large corporations like Amazon and um, and the media that is pushing their agenda that really pushes out the American people. It's the elite, the elitists or the establishment, which has really taken over the Democrat Party. They have worked their way through the Republican Party, but I don't think it's as corrupt. Uh, there's still some some room considering that Donald Trump is going to be the Republican candidate. Donald Trump still is the Republican face. Yes. Um, there there's room there. So I think it's an important distinction that he makes about it's not Democrat people. It's not quote unquote liberal values. It's this anti-American communist type regime that has taken over the Democrat party is trying to take over the Republican party and has taken over a lot of our corporations and media outlets. Um, that really, that really is the problem and it's snuffing out both Democrat and Republican values. Yeah. Those are some excellent points you make there. And definitely, uh, something that we don't say enough on this show and we probably should run of the mill Democrats, true moderates, um, are not the issue here. And they're actually some of the ones who are getting triggered by some of the things you're seeing in, in the school board meetings at city council meetings, probably at the gas pump, definitely at the grocery store. And, yeah. and that's why you're seeing some of these, uh, you know, governor races tying up really tight moving into November. Like we've already mentioned, you've got New Jersey and Virginia. You have the mayor in New York City, which is getting uh, tight as ever there as well. Uh, places where you typically don't see, especially after apparently the worst president in the history of the universe, according to the Democrats, Donald Trump, just leave office. We're not even a full calendar year out yet. And you have Democrats in, in typical strongholds losing their grip faster and faster every day. And thanks to, you know, reporting like you and, and through things like social media and the internet are really helping expose these people for what they, they truly are. I saw last night there was uh, some Project Veritas video out where one of the top campaign spokespersons and administrators for the Democrat candidate in uh, Virginia, she got hot mic'd saying that we're staying away from everything related to the vaccine until after the election. And once the election's over, it's vaccines for everybody. Like, no kidding. Yeah, that she, shouldn't surprise anybody, though. I mean, if anybody votes for a Democrat candidate thinking that they might not issue vaccine mandates, that's just ignorance. Yeah. I mean, who in their right mind would think a Democrat isn't completely going to try to take over every area of your medical life yep. as it pertains to this vaccine? I mean, it's it's great that she got caught, but it also shouldn't surprise anybody. No, not at all. It's just good to hear it before the election. But then everybody yeah. on, everybody on their side will be like, no, 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 no. Fingers in the ears, like not listening. Yeah. That's true. Also going on over the weekend and leading up through yesterday, Joe Biden was uh, continuing before he hits off to Scotland for another um, nap. Well, that's on the plane when he gets there. Climate summit, which is just a huge waste of money for the United States and means nothing regardless of how low we get every emission imaginable because countries like China, India, places like that, they'll never meet. So all we're doing is kind of nothing except spending money on it um, at at the expense of the American taxpayer. But he was cruising around yesterday talking about some things. One thing he likes to talk about all the time, but isn't true is his famous Amtrak story Mm. uh, with his cheek getting pinched. He was called out on several media outlets for saying it again yesterday, but I guess not enough Adderall before he hit the podium. And and, and this is kind of (laughs) where it went. I commuted every single day, 263 miles a day 
on Amtrak mm. from the time I got elected United States Senator. As a matter of fact, when I was vice president, I used to like to take the train home because my mom was very sick and dying, and I'd come home every weekend to make sure I'd take the train home. And the Secret Service, and I'm not criticizing them, legitimately would rather me fly because it's safer, because too many people can get on and off, et cetera. I'm getting on one Friday, and then one of the senior guys on Amtrak, Angelo Negri, I got to know all the conductors really well. They became my friends. I mean, really, my genuine friends. I'd have them at my home at Christmas and during the summer. And Ange walks up to me and goes, Why do I not Joey, believe this? baby, grabs my cheek, and I thought the Secret Service was going to blow his head off. Okay, okay so the actual conductor had, had gone on record. I believe he's passed and said, yeah, that's not necessarily an all-the-way true story. No, you mean he was embellishing? No, that. no, they don't never. do that. Yeah, we did. Uh, we we did a little bit of fact checking on that, and it was pretty interesting to see how uh, that's been debunked. I believe that was the fifth time he said that, and you know, as soon as he starts going down that road, the people in the front row and whoever is in, in his, his earpiece got to be like, "What are you doing?" Stop it. Yeah, exactly. But it's better than uh, you know, saying, "Listen here, fat," and all that other stuff. You gotta like his enthusiasm, you know. Just keep running with At the same At least you can understand bullshit. most of the words that he was saying. Ooh, yeah. You know, it was always fun when I try to report on like, either a speech or like take a clip that he says. And Oof. it's like, what do they, is there a transcript with this? Because I have no idea the words coming out of his mouth. When people put subtitles on it, it's actually worse. You're just like, wait, that that is what I heard. Well, well we, <laughs> he just said yeah. xylophone. Like, what? He actually said that. We did, yeah. ha we did have it on our... Uh, when we were back in our old studio, there was one time we were playing and, and one of the things that I recorded, um, it said inaudible. It had like subtitles and it was saying what he said. And yeah, then he inaudible kind of, and, and, and yeah, they couldn't understand what he was saying. Here's one thing where we need to build America back from. Noah, you're decent at math, better than me. If you can hear just exactly what he's trying to get a point or across in this point right here, why don't you just kind of help us out with it? Mm. <laughs> I need to calculate. have to once again build America from the bottom up and the middle out. Huh. I've never seen a time in American history when the middle class did well, the wealthy didn't do very well. It's called 2020. But I'm tired of trickle down. Trickle down doesn't, hadn't worked so much for the last 15 years for working class and middle class folks. That's why I propose two critical pieces of legislation being debated back in Washington right now. These bills are not about left versus right or moderate versus progressive, or anything that pits an Ameri one American against another. What? These bills are about competitiveness versus complacency. Oh. Competitiveness versus complacency. They're about expanding opportunity, not opportunity denied. They're about leading the world or continuing to let the world pass us by. That's, a, that's a full minute of audio. He didn't make anything. He didn't talk about anything except mm -mm. just stuff. He just put a whole bunch of words together. He didn't talk about the bills. He didn't talk about what he was building back crappier. Ugh. He did also, you know, referenced uh, or did not reference a time when he knew the middle class was doing well. That was probably at its height the last two years of the Trump administration. I know, no, we consider ourselves middle class. Christina, probably you as well. Yeah. I was doing great. Yeah. Taking home 77% uh, of my total income and compared to like 53% of it now. Yeah, Joe Biden's the one who wants to prevent the middle class from working. If they don't have vaccines, they can't travel because the wealthy are going to be flying on private airplanes. And so they don't need 
you know, they don't need to go through TSA. They don't need to go through the airports. It's the rest of us who actually fly commercial that he's trying to crush your business by not allowing you to travel. He's crushed your supply lines and your supply chains and your ability to move your materials around. He's absolutely wrecked small businesses and intends to continue to do so. So again, you mentioned this earlier, but this is a perfect example of saying one thing and doing the complete opposite. They say what you want, what he wants you to believe he's doing. Mm -hmm. And it actually has nothing to do with what he's actually doing. You know what he was doing also uh, yesterday? Kind of whispering again. Oh, whisper yelling. Yeah. So we we do have a short clip of that. And uh, yeah, the the caption underneath it is, what the hell is wrong with this guy? (laughs) Let's see if it it definitely means what it says. Josh has heard me say it. I view it as a tax cut for middle-class families. A tax cut. We never have an argument when we talk about the wealthy. This is a tax cut. It changes the lives of the American people. There will be no tax cuts. They weren't the scrolling class. the teleprompter fast enough. It changes the lives yeah. of, of, yeah, of the American that's people. What it was. You're right. That's what happened. I was like, "Why?" That's weird intonation. But you're exactly right. They didn't yeah. scroll the teleprompter fast enough. That's funny. You know, that's a d- good catch. Yeah, it is a good catch. And you know who never reads off a teleprompter? As we're going to hit our last <laughs> audio clip with Christina here and get a little bit of commentary on it, we'll, we'll, we'll do some lead in with it. Christina, what are your feelings on? Everyone's favorite pillow farmer, Mike Lindell. <laughs> oh, Mike Lindell. Mike Lindell's a character. But do you love him? I absolutely love, yes, I love what he's doing for the nation. I love his enthusiasm. I think he's very patriotic. I think he is using a lot of his own personal resources to try to, um, you know, make America great. I Just to be fair, I haven't reported on him. I haven't followed, followed sure. him as closely as, as other have. So I don't want to get too specific because I just haven't, I don't have that knowledge. And hopefully you but do in I the future. he's yeah. a good American. Yeah, he definitely is. He, he's, well, at the very least, a patriot, which is something that yeah. is extremely good to say about someone. Uh, he jumped in the war room with Steve Bannon on Friday to talk about, if you're so patriot, I'm going to give you a surefire way to ruin Thanksgiving dinner. Ooh. <laughs> you're going to have an AG that's prepared to go. You're going to have the lawsuit filed. Yes, and then you're yeah. going to start that evening or the next day a marathon of information marathon. on Frank's speech. Wednesday night, Wednesday night before Thanksgiving, and you're going to be sitting around the table. This is very important to our country and the world. Everyone can be sitting around the table and going, hey, what do you think of that? You think the Supreme Court's going to accept it and protect our country like they're supposed to? No. And they're going, there's no there's no evidence. No. Of, you know, you have somebody you know, arguing. No, 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 you're no, you know, no, no, no. Here's, here's, here's what I love about that. Everybody was saying, hey, you did, yeah, no, we'll get it up. This is what I love about it. Lindell, only you could have done this. What I love about this, they said, hey, if you just get Trump out, orange man bad, and you get Biden, you can, st- you can start having holidays again without arguing at the table and at each other's throats. But Mike Lindell comes in, and he's going to go the Wednesday, the eve of Thanksgiving, on a marathon, so you can go back and have fistfights, the family squabbles. <laughs> Lindell, you're a genius. Only well, you hey, could have Steve, thought of this. Steve, Steve I want to country's going to go back at your holidays are ruined again, okay? No, 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 no. It. It's different now. 30 some percent of Democrats now believe this country was stolen <laughs> and through the machines. Amen. This is going to be Amen, a brother. uniting. This will be a uniting, not a dividing. This will be finally you're going to have some, you're going to be able to say, hey, look at this. 
you know, pick your state by then, Steve, with our fusion center. You'll be able to go online there and watch and watch us on watch this live on TV, and then pull up your state and show your show your relative and say, "Look at these are right off of our voter rolls. This is uh, this isn't fake. This is real." Do you know, okay. Steve? There's two there's states out there where you can. All of them yeah. where you can pick an age we, and you He's about pick- to do the classic banning cutoff. Mike, but, Mike, Mike, Mike. but what he's talking about there, Christina, is that he's been traveling around talking with Secretary of State and Attorney Generals about filing a Supreme Court lawsuit on the eve of Thanksgiving this year. That's the deadline he set. He says he's been to 38 states. So far, he has 20 on board, either AGs, Secretaries of States, or both. Awesome. Um, he, he said, at the very least, it should be accepted due to the fact that there's a lot of legitimate local and state legislative pressure. It's not just private voter organizations or the MyPillow guy filing this and having no standing, like they say. Um, In in regards to stuff like that, what do you think? Just kind of contributes to the overall narrative of getting to the bottom of the 2020 election? I think that's a great effort. Um, Whether We saw what the Supreme Court did to the Texas case, so I don't know how they'll respond to it, but I I think it's a great effort. I think... uh, the more attention you can bring to it. And certainly Mike Lindell brings a lot of attention. You know, the more attention you can draw to it, the more, the more avenues to attack this, I think are good. So trying a Supreme court case with States suing each other or whether he, you know, I know he's been involved in other lawsuits, which are really helpful. He's been very involved in just getting the word out. So he, he really is attacking this from a number of different directions. And I think, Every every direction that you add is helpful. So I think I think it's great, and thank God for Mike Lindell. Yeah, for sure. We say it all the time. Um, as we're getting ready to wrap with you, and again, this has been a treat. I mean, it's good to have you actually join us for the show. I mean, last time was definitely one of our highest downloads because a lot of people want to know all the stuff that's going on with you, and they really loved it. I think they're going to like this one equally as much, if not more. We hope to get you back maybe after the holidays. You're starting yeah, to be, absolutely. I'd love to. We kind of consider you a friend of the show now. Uh, yeah. Third time's a charm. We're going to have to send you a steak for breakfast robe or something. like they do. Oh, <laughs> that, that sounds amazing. There you go. Um, but before... You, of all the swag you sell, is that... Do you have a steak for breakfast? We don't have any. We don't sell anything. Yeah. (laughs) But but you want to know what? Hypothetically speaking. Yeah. If if we were to sell one thing. Steak news. I like that. Maybe steak for breakfast robes would be pretty nice. Yeah. We do have the Lebowski in our intro. Uh, Why don't you tell all of our listening audience where they could find you again as if they already don't follow you on everything on social media and stuff. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. You guys are so much fun, and I've really enjoyed every time coming on. So thank you. Um, you can follow me on Instagram, Christina underscore Bob, B-O-B-B, same handle for Twitter. I try to put a lot of the like the the breaking news or really the pertinent pointed news on election integrity. I try to post it to Instagram. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I put it out on Twitter, but all of my tweets get suppressed. Yeah, so it's not as fun. But um, you can find it on my Instagram account. I do have a getter account as well, Christina Bob. Um, although I try to funnel it all onto Instagram just for ease of use yeah. so that it's all in one source, but there, and then of course on one America news weekly briefing is Saturday and Sunday at 2 PM Eastern. Awesome show. And awesome. Yep. Yeah, we definitely like it. And we will live link all of your social medias to direct even more traffic your way with our interactive listening audience. And again, we, as always, we're going to thank you for all you're doing in, in the media and, uh, you know, working alongside of us. I mean, we definitely work alongside you, I think, in the big scheme of things, but we appreciate it and uh, can't wait to have you back again soon. Yeah, thank you guys. I appreciate it. Miss Christina Bob, OAN, thanks for stopping on Stay for Breakfast. Jumping in now for the back half of the show, return guest, friend of Steak for Breakfast, host of the Red, White, and Truth podcast, 
on Right Side Broadcasting Network every Thursday night. Mr. Mike Crispy, thanks for coming back and hanging out with us today. Gentlemen, it's an honor to be asked back a second time. I guess I didn't screw it up too badly the first time. So it's good to be back. Good to be talking. I feel like from the last time I was on to now, uh, state of affairs have devolved uh, even lower and to deeper depths than we could have ever imagined. So I guess it's timely that we're talking again. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Uh, last time you were on, it was you and Christina Bob from One American News. Same week. This time it's going to be same show. We just had her. Last time we had her on, it was the Friday before the Maricopa County audit results were released. And then she kind of gave us a little spiel on all the stuff that's going on because she does all their uh, election coverage uh, that's been going on since in, in Georgia and Wisconsin and, and even Arizona. We talked about, you know, political candidates running there. Ron Watkins coming out and announcing his candidacy in Arizona won, which is interesting. We did a little deep dive on the show and saw that was the House seat that Wendy Rogers ran for in 2018 and lost. And he says after meeting with her at a GOP-led event like two weeks ago, he was compelled to run. So he's going to uh, take on the, the the current House representative who beat her in 2018. Yeah, I mean, what's going on in Arizona, and I'm actually this week, I got Carrie Lake coming on the show. Nice. Uh, returning on. I mean, what's happening in Arizona, who else covers it besides RSBN and OAN yep. and maybe Newsmax, you know, covering what's going on. I mean, in New Jersey, where we have a governor election right now, I was at a local GOP event the other night, and some of these Republicans still don't want to acknowledge the obvious, and that is if you can't clean up the voting process, how are you going to win an election? So I think voter integrity should be the number one thing. And it's funny, this election in New Jersey that is happening next Tuesday for the governor, there is five different ways to vote, and the signature verification is actually on a pad, right? It's no longer, uh, you know, on paper, it's on a pad and they will verify it if one character matches. So if you got oh, 20 perfect. characters in your name, but one letter matches, it's good. So what the hell is that? I learned that last night and I said, this is insane. And I said to the person who was talking about it, who was a local elected person. I said, is, is it as crazy as it sounds? And she said, yes, absolutely. This is what Murphy is doing. And this is what they're doing. So I'm telling you, voter integrity, people don't want to talk about it. It's like, oh, let's take back the House. We're going to take back this state. We're going to take back that. If you don't have a candidate that's acknowledging the obvious, and that's the election integrity, then they're being disingenuous with you. And they're just doing it for campaign dollars. And you know they clearly know things that we don't, because um, these local politicians just trade influence to stay in office. And uh, you know if they're not talking about election integrity, then something's up with them. And I don't think they should be trusted. Yeah, that's that's really good point there. And uh, something that we all talked about in the, in the first half of the show that that definitely needs to be addressed. You know, it's OK to start preparing for 2022 and 2024. Like, obviously, you're going to need candidates. Races are going to start heating up, especially, you know, within the next month when we hit a calendar year before uh, midterm elections. However, if we're going in using the same method, the same machines and having the same people provide oversight on the elections that happened in 2020, it's not going to work out for anybody. I'm telling you, when does it become controversial? It's like everybody votes on election day in person, verify who you are. The same thing you do in New York to show a ID card and a vaccine passport to get into a restaurant. It's not controversial in New York City for the Democrats, but in New Jersey to vote literally right across the river. You are a racist, 
you know, uh, uh, everything they call you under the sun. Barack Obama was here yeah. in New Jersey yeah. campaigning the other day. And he said, oh, these Republicans, you know, they want to suppress the vote. Jim Crow, blah, 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 blah. All because we talk about voter ID on the Republican side. So uh, it, it's terrible. And when I vote here in super liberal area, they don't ask me for anything. Nope. They don't, I mean, I voted uh, in the primary and I'm going to vote on Tuesday. And they ask my name and I just go I just, right in there and that's it. That's yeah, same, it. Same here in California. Disgusting. Seriously, I, I, I say and I don't know what the Republican line is on this. It's just my line. But it's like they should make Election Day. Give everybody off. Make it a, a full fledged holiday. We get off for all these other bullshit holidays. Yep. Give everybody off for Election Day and let everybody show up in person, show their ID, match up to where they live and vote. And that's it. And then the hand count be at the end of the night in person for everybody to see in public and then the media can film it and everything. And guess what? They do that in Canada, but they can't do that in the United States. It's ridiculous. Yeah, we'll probably get National Pronouns Day before we get National, <laughs> national Elections Day. It's 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 def definitely laughable, but probably the truth. You have to tell your pronouns to vote. Yeah. Well, that depending on how many pronouns you have, maybe you get that many votes. Ooh. There you go. Voting. You know who else is as popular as election integrity? Dr. Fauci. Yeah, especially, especially after some disturbing revelations came out last week where the NIH corrected their website saying that, OK, the whole gain of function narrative that him, Peter Daszak, Dr. Burks all kind of held uh, when this stuff started being uncovered. Not true. We actually not only were funding it, we were completely aware of it and they kind of distanced themselves from his narrative. Oops. Yeah. Big oops. Um, that in conjunction with now something that we Steak for Breakfast, reported on in July, but now has come to the forefront and trended number one for several hours on Twitter yesterday. Uh, Fauci lied, Beagles died. Uh, in regards to the testing that we originally reported on back when we talked to some people who were working at the CDC and the NIH and follow our show and kind of gave us a little bit of insight on in July, um, now it's coming out that these tests were probably worse than originally reported. It seems that these dogs and are, they sound bad. Like if they're yeah. worse than they sound, like holy shit! Like, and, and that's for, just some freaking. For the people yeah. in the audience who have just seen the memes but don't know the specifics, these dogs had their vocal cords surgically removed. They were heavily sedated. They were had the heads of the dogs placed in hoods, and then parasite bugs were were kind of released into there to see how long the dogs could, you know, hold out. What the reactions were. This was after a portion of their brain which kind of uh, works in regards to feeling stimulus was melted out with acid. No, no, well. that was the monkeys. Oh, what? yeah, you're they right. They did that with the brain? No, yeah. the, they did it with monkeys where they uh, enhanced their feelings of terror by yeah. burning part of the brain with acid, and then they would, like, either show them images of snakes and spiders or have, yep. like, spider... Like, like, yeah, like, like the three-way screens and just kind of do Just that. to terrify the shit out of them. Which what, what what kind of? Why would you even do that? What what is the point of doing? I mean, all the tax dollars. Where is that going? For, so the monkeys can be more scared. It's like, what is that going to accomplish? Are they are they experimenting because the human DNA is is close to the monkeys and they're trying yes. to experiment what they could do to manipulate our brains? I'm gonna I don't go, know. I'm going to go with yes. Crazy. Yeah. What was the point of the beagles? Like you letting these flies eat them alive? Yeah. What the fuck is wrong with these people? Before eventually I mean, euthanizing them when they were done testing them, which lasted, what, several eight weeks? 
Wow. It was a long time and, and it was extremely cruel. Um, he, he appeared on uh, George Stephanopoulos this weekend to address some of the things regarded to the NIH after Rand Paul started a victory lap on Friday. Well, back to the animal stuff just for a second. I mean, isn't PETA and all Shit. the like Yeah, animal... where the fuck are they on this? No, PETA's, PETA's actually been very vocal in the last couple of days. Yeah, about they've it, ended a good chat over the weekend. Oh, have they now? Okay. But it must be... Like all these left bicycle riding, Fauci tattoo sporting people, chest feeders, chest feeding. Mm. <laughs> like this must just be like, oh man, yeah. like how many tat- how many Fauci tattoos are getting covered up right now? As they sit there and they like <laughs> stroke the head of their Doctor Fauci action figure. Yeah, pretty their terrible. Pillow, that's what Fauci does. Fauci pillow. Yeah, yeah. Well, he looks at the picture of himself on the wall. So yeah. gross, creepy. It is. He he is a real life Marvel supervillain. Um, let's hear what he said when he was on Stephanopoulos this weekend in response to that letter from the NIH regarding the Wuhan lab. The controversy over whether the U.S. was funding risky COVID research in Wuhan was kicked up again this week when the NIH released a letter about that research, which showed that the subcontractor had not disclosed some results in a timely manner. Now, now some critics and analysts have seized on that to say you and others have misled the public about U.S. funding of this so-called gain-of-function research. The NIH says that's false. Our medical unit backs that up. But Senator Rand Paul stepped up that criticism in a new interview with Oxios on HBO. Let's play it. Dr. Fox, you should be fired by the president. Absolutely. The thing is, is just for lack of judgment of nothing else, you know, he's probably never going to admit that he lied. He's going to continue to dissemble and try to work around the truth and massage the truth. I want to give you the opportunity to respond to Senator Paul, but also yeah. explain what was the United States funding, what wasn't it funding, and why that's important. Well, I, I obviously totally disagree mm. with Senator Paul. He's absolutely incorrect. Neither I nor Dr. Francis Collins, the director of the NIH, lied or misled about what we've done. The framework no? under which we have guidance about the conduct of research that we fund. The funding at the Wuhan Institute was to be able to determine what is out there in the environment in bat viruses in China. And the research was very strictly under what we call a framework of oversight of the type of research. And Mm. under those conditions, which we've explained very, very clearly, does not constitute research of gain of function of concern. There are people who interpret it that way, but when you look at the framework under which the guidance is, that is not the case. So I have to respectfully disagree with Senator Paul. He is not correct that we lied or misled the Congress. I will not be getting fired. Uh, I'm sorry. Right, and it showed that what was being researched was very far from the COVID, the SARS-CoV virus, but it did show that the subcontractor did not release some results in a timely manner. What did we learn from the letter? Does it show that some of the research we were funding was riskier than we know? No, it isn't. We, we oh. knew what, what, what the risk was and what the oversight is. Certainly, they should have put their progress report in in a timely manner. No denial of that. And there will be administrative uh, consequences of that. But one of the things that gets mixed up in this, George, and it really needs to be made clear God, to voice. the American public, there's all of this concern about what's gained a function or what's not, with the implication that that research led to SARS-CoV-2 and COVID-19, which, George, unequivocally, anybody that knows anything about viral biology and phylogeny, phylogeny of viruses know 
that it is molecularly impossible for those viruses that were worked on to turn into SARS-CoV-2 because they were distant enough molecularly that no matter what you did to them, they could never, ever become SARS-CoV-2. And yet, when people talk about gain of function, they make that implication, which I think is unconscionable to do, to say, well, maybe that research led to SARS-CoV-2. You can ask any person of good faith who's a virologist, and they will tell you absolutely clearly that that would be molecularly impossible. So things are getting conflated, George, that should not be conflated. Well, you hear that kind of narrative he's starting to build. Yeah, he's saying that that research that they asked him about. I feel like there's some virologists that would disagree with him. And there have been ones that were publicly outspoken about it. He talked about timely manner in the beginning of that narrative right there. His timely manner of this thing coming out from the NIH this week what he's talking about is that being available when Rand Paul asked him the first time, because the answer is obviously yes. We funded, we sponsored, and we knew that the CCP was conducting gain-of-function research in that lab with just free money from the U.S. without any supervision. He also talked about uh, Francis Collins, disgraced former director, had to step down due to stuff directly related to this and things that he was caught lying about. And now he's trying to build the narrative around himself that, Whatever was going on in that lab while we were funding it at this time was not when COVID was created or when the outbreak started. So, therefore, he's trying to absolve himself of all responsibility for creating the virus, which we all know he didn't specifically physically do. But it was under his guide and and negligence that that stuff like this was able to happen there. Mike, what do you think? I got to tell you, I think the more scientific words that Fauci says in the shorter amount of sentences – that's the more lying he's doing. Yep. He's throwing around all these terms, this and that, and all these scientific things. It's all bullshit, right? If you are not sick of this little tyrant at this point, it's like you are just so far lost. So he's been proven wrong time and time again. Him and Francis Collins should literally be in jail. Yep. If anybody else committed the types of crimes lying in front of Congress, this and that, you would be persecuted right now. There'd be no questions about it. So Fauci's going to get this documentary on National Geographic, which is ridiculous. Uh, people will still never see the light. They're always going to hail him as a hero. Yep. But he's just a little lying. Uh, I don't even adore. I just hate him. I really hate the guy. And uh, Rand Paul has dunked on him time and time again. Yes. And he's not a stupid guy, Rand Paul. He's no. not one of these ex-lawyers that makes it to Congress. He's literally a doctor. He's a smart guy. He's not a rhino. He's not bought and paid for. He's one of the few legitimate voices that we have representing us. And he's calling a spade a spade. And Francis Collins resigning, which happened, he shouldn't get off the hook. That shouldn't be it. He should be persecuted for what he did and his involvement and his lies. And the same thing with Fauci, but it's not going to happen. And, uh, you know, enough is enough. As I'm hearing this Stephanopoulos interview, it's like I feel like they're bringing him out more lately to just opine on every little thing. Oh, is Halloween going to be okay? Lord Fauci, is Thanksgiving going to be okay? Oh, if they're fully vaccinated and like he's like relishing in this star power role he has. And it's like, dude, shut the fuck up and go away. Everybody is sick of you and and you're a criminal. So that's my thoughts on him at this point. 
Answer that. What do you think? He talked about Francis Collins and, and Dr. Fauci. We can't forget people like Dr. Burks. She's kind of stepped away. We all know she's fucked up royally. Peter Daszak. She left when she left, you know? Yeah. Peter Daszak, who has been a huge person behind the scenes of all of this stuff going on, is connected to all those disgusting people that we've been talking about in the beginning of the segment right now. And he's kind of like, you know, been absolved of any kind of real responsibility for any of this stuff going on. I think they should all be lynched. Nice. As peacefully That's as possible, the rope. right? <laughs> uh, yeah. Mostly peacefully. And the more, the more the corporate media. Uh, and someone said that the other day. It was, uh, it was on Joe Rogan. They said we got to stop saying mainstream media. We got to call yeah. them the corporate media. Yeah. That's the new terminology because we are now the mainstream media. People, uh, uh, your yeah, show, my show. Yeah. So they're the corporate media. The more they defended Fauci, and the angrier they defended Fauci. Whenever you had one little word of dissent against him. That shows it hook, line and sinker that, you know, this guy is a agent of, you know, the deep state and these globalist actors. And that just proves it hook, line and sinker. They had a a mission to defend him. And uh, obviously, you know, we all know why. He's like their messiah. It's disgusting. They worship this guy just like they do COVID and everything else. And, And it's all playing out the way it has in the past. There are literally dozens of books that you can go and purchase that outline how awful he was during. Yeah, for a long time. too. What happened during AIDS. And you see a lot of the similar things. He talked about taking people that had HIV and completely segregating them from the rest mm-hmm. of the community of the world. He suppressed all natural therapeutics. Hey, imagine that. Where does that sound familiar? Sounds really familiar. Well, they did the, the, the entire HIV AIDS epidemic is they use the exact same playbook then now for COVID. Yep. The same PCR tests they use to test yep. people for HIV AIDS. The even, he even had they which resulted in actual children being misdiagnosed and then treated with AZT and almost dying. Yes. False positives? Yeah, imagine that. Weird. Yeah, everybody False positives. Had a lot of people, so a lot of people were getting treated for, for HIV and they didn't have it and they died because of the medication. Yeah. They're, and they're, the treatment, like they're doing now with the ventilators and the remdesivir. Yep. And, there are prom- prominent authors who have claimed that Dr. Fauci is responsible for at least 20,000 deaths during the HIV Minimum. Uh, yeah, minimum, including hundreds of thousands of people misdiagnosed, mistreated, and have lifelong um, things, you know, wrong with them because of... Uh, well, yeah, taking those extreme medical procedures to combat something like that if you don't need it. Yeah, it's one of those things where people joke about the vaccine. Wait, where does that sound familiar to? Well, yeah, well, yeah and, and people used to say, well, well, if you don't have cancer, should you still get chemo? Like, people try to debunk, and it's like, well, he, he literally did that with people with AIDS, like... They would well, get. he has he has a virologist years and years ago that came out and that said they said that the HIV has never been isolated just like the COVID virus. Yep. And HIV does not cause AIDS. There's actually zero proof that is the case. It's it's pretty wild. I'll have to send you this documentary that this guy made with people that actually worked with Fauci and Luc Montagnier. Yes. All of it's a scam. It's it's fucking crazy. Yeah, there's that it's, old viral yeah. video that goes around from C-SPAN where he had that one caller call in and kind of destroy him on the whole HIV narrative, and it's it's been severely repressed online, but we've had it on here before. Who um, was that Nobel Prize? Was it a Nobel Prize winner or somebody? Literally, it's like an old video from the 70s or 80s was saying that Fauci was a joke. I mean, he's been, I think he's he was like, this was all out in the open until he linked forces with Bill Gates. Yep. And now he's this international superstar and Bill Gates made a lot of money all of a sudden investing into the, you know, the, uh, the, the pharma world. Yeah. I think it might be Luke Montagne that I, that I mentioned because he's yeah. a prize winner for HIV, for example, because he discovered it. 
but he admits himself that you can cure HIV. It doesn't cause AIDS. He said this himself. And he said they've never isolated the virus. Imagine that. Same with COVID-19. Yeah. These actual people that are like in charge of these things are saying this, but the media will never report it. Nope. They sure won't. Um, You know who the media does like to report on? And we do it all the time on this show is Big Dick Ron DeSantis. Mm. And after hearing these revelations on Friday from the NIH and and then, you know, for Beaglegate came out yesterday swinging uh, and had some choice words for for Dr. Fauci. Let's hear what he kind of had to say as he was at an event yesterday. So NIH gave money to fund research, gain of function research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. So what they're doing is they're taking U.S. tax dollars in China and they're trying to create super viruses that'll be more dangerous uh, for, for humans. And they'll say, well, we want to figure out how to combat the viruses. But you're doing this. This is very hazardous. I think it's unethical to do it. Uh, they should have been banned from doing it, but I think they went around the ban. And so we've got to shut that down. You can't have mad scientists running around playing God like this and then come to find out what else is Fauci and NIH doing. They're doing cruel experiments on puppies. What they were doing with those puppies is flat out disgusting. It's despicable. That needs to stop. I cannot believe American tax dollars uh, would go uh, to treat those dogs the way those dogs would be treated. And, you know, I really think Fauci needs to be held accountable. These people, these bureaucrats, they don't get to just run wild and do whatever the hell they want to with our tax dollars. And so from funding gain-of-function research uh, to treating these puppies with really unimaginable cruelty, uh, I think that whole lot of them uh, need to be cleaned out and we need to be standing up for the American taxpayer and doing things ethically and not doing things like gain-of-function research and certainly not abusing puppies. Thank you. I like it. Mike, what do you think about Ron DeSantis coming out swinging on that one yesterday? First of all, the puppy thing, it's like if you have the uh, moral... Uh, you know, brain matter within your head to be doing these cruel experiments on dogs like that just totally wipes you off the face of the earth when it comes to a shred of legitimacy in any way, shape or form. What type of person that isn't a demented, sick fuck is doing experiments on dogs that like is just baseline, like on that merit alone, he should be dropped to a zero approval rating and fired. It's disgusting. Also, he's right. Like we pay all this money in tax dollars. Right. We have we have so many issues right now where they need to raise more taxes to pay for this. And Biden says this costs nothing. And he makes the weird sign and all that. It's like how many dollars a year goes towards shit like this. Right. It just proves it time and time again. And it's like our government is so loaded. And DeSantis said the bureaucracy, it's like you could cut 70 percent of all the people who work in the federal government in all the multiple layers and we would be fine. Right. Yeah. You can cut all these bullshit people. You know, they're expa- they want to expand the IRS. They want to double down on funding uh-huh. this type of sicko, as DeSantis called it, mad scientist research. It's like cut government. And the only people who opposes that are the unions, I guess, or the people in those departments who defend it. It's like absolutely not. We need to get rid of it. But they want to hire more people in the IRS. Right. And they want to hire more people in Department of Public Health to start, you know, being vaccine checkers and all this other stuff. And it's disgusting. So DeSantis, he sounds like a future president to me. I mean, I again, I, I personally think that Trump is 2024. I think he's running. Yep. I think he'll win. But I think that DeSantis is the future. And, uh, you know, they'll go after him 
uh, in the coming years. But I mean, right now, how could you disagree with anything that he's saying? I think he's he's doing great. I mean, at every at every at every challenge when they ask him these questions, I mean, he's setting himself up nicely, and uh, he's the future. It's great. Love to hear it. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, he sure is. I mean, number one, and not like it's something to pride yourself in, but for the for the COVID statistics right now, we, the number one state is Florida right now in regards to uh, you know infections, hospitalizations, and deaths. So they've mm-hmm. they've shot up the charts after holding the line for so long. Ron DeSantis is trying to redirect a lot of those cargo ships that are off the Atlantic and Pacific coast right now, just sitting there due to the stuff that's going on with uh, Pete Buttigieg and his uh, chest feeding. Not to mention hiring bonuses for law enforcement to come there. Yeah, yeah. People, people who are five getting grand. yeah five grand as, as part of an incentive to come if you've gotten fired or are under the threat of fired and are unvaccinated. That's that's the even best part. It's one of the stipulations as well. So I, I think that's really great. Um, and, and some of the stuff he's doing down there is, is amazing. Someone who's not amazing, and I can't fucking stand her, but she, I guess after Dr. Fauci caught so much bad press over the weekend, they pulled him back and threw her out. Rachel Walensky from the CDC ran the circuit of cable news network shows Sunday morning. Uh, she jumped on Meet the Press first with the... Uh, lady from CNN, well, formerly of CNN, she looks like a cat, um, and, and talked about uh, some of the mix-and-match booster data. Imagine that. Okay, the mix-and-match booster data, like b- being able to mix-and-match your whatever brand, mm-hmm. like, I feel like I just read something that said that the doses are not interchangeable. Yeah. Well, the only thing interchangeable is the emergency youth author, author that fuck I can't talk authorization mm-hmm. and the actual unavailable Comernity. FDA approved community. Well, they're all the same shit. I really just think they're just branded differently to be honest. And, and even if they're not, I think what they're doing now is another evil experiment. And mm-hmm. you just want to see how it, like how it works out. Well, it's a liability shelter basically. Yeah. 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 Well, let's hear what she had to say about it when, when was asked. Let's talk about the boosters. So the approval for booster shots, uh, this week makes a big difference, but there's a lot of confusion, first of all, for Johnson & Johnson recipients. Why is it so important that they they consider uh, boosters, and do you recommend the mRNA boosters getting Moderna or Pfizer for them? Right. This has been a really important next step in our booster campaign across America because we now have a booster plan for all three of our vaccines. For Moderna and Pfizer, if you're more than six months out, you may be eligible for a booster. And what we said for J&J is that if you're two months out of your last shot, you are eligible for a booster. And then finally, this plan to um, have recommendations towards mix and matching. The FDA and the CDC saw um, a lot of data over the last week. We saw data from the NIH on mix and match that um, antibody levels for the mRNA vaccines um, boosting the J&J were really, really high. And we also saw clinical data from J&J that said if you're boosted with J&J, you actually do quite well as well, which is why we've really left it open and said any one of these vaccines can really be used to boost any one of the other. And it's just fucking scary. How does that make any sense? Why would you take a shot that you have to take another one after two months? I mean, where's the common sense in people in general, like right now? Okay, you believe in shots, but aren't you questioning it if it's only lasting two fucking months? (laughs) Like, like what's the point? Especially if I have a 99% chance of 
being right. absolutely fine. Yeah. Mike, and then you get sick after you take a shot. You do you want to be sick for a week? No. Just it's like no, no, I don't want the nanobots to eat my immune system. Mike, you look like you're ready I mean, for your seven. from the people that are getting severely injured. I mean, like everybody, you know, immunizations make you sick, you know, because yeah. they simulate your immune system. To Part respond. of the natural but process. It's like, do these people, like, it's like they want to be abused. It's like, oh, it's working. I'm dying. <laughs> I'm dying. It's working. Yeah. That's how you know it's working. Mike, you look like you're a huge booster of, uh, or uh, advocate of boosters. What do you uh, think about this? Uh, uh, yeah, advocate of boosters. <laughs> how, first of all, how, how are these people such sheep? Like how, how, how in the world? It's like the vaccine. It's like, okay, you know, these people, they got the vaccine. Okay. Blah, blah, blah. They got whipped into fear. It's like Boris Johnson yesterday, who, again, I talked about the decline of Boris Johnson. He used to talk a lot differently. Then he got bought and paid for. Now he's an absolute puppet. And he said the other day, literally, oh, you know, we have proven that the vaccines are uh, no longer effective. So you need to get your booster now, everybody. It's like, he just said it. He said it. He literally destroyed the argument for vaccine passports and all the things that they want to do around the world. He destroyed the argument in one foul swoop by literally saying that the vaccines were ineffective if you did not get your booster. Okay. So he literally debunked it right there. And all these people who were told, oh, you get the vaccine, you don't have to wear a mask anymore. They got the vaccine. They still wear the mask. Oh, you got the vaccine. Laughing back to normal. No, no, no. Now you need to get a booster, right? And, and these people, the pills. And, and the pills now. And now the daily, pills don't work. Now you got to take the daily pill. <laughs> daily COVID pill. It's like, I am amazed. It really right. makes me, in one end, it makes me go, wow, this is pretty great. I'm, I'm much smarter than most people in society. That's kind of cool. But at the same time, it's scary. It's like, wow, yeah. most of society is so, so lost. And they're gone because they go, oh, yeah, I'll take the booster, or the COVID pill, whatever they tell me, like this is for my health. It's like, don't you think at this point that those people would stop and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, maybe just maybe the dog killer isn't being honest with me. Maybe, <laughs> maybe. No, God forbid you cannot, <laughs> you cannot question my Messiah. How dare you? Well, as if that wasn't stomach turning enough, she then went directly on with uh, our least favorite presidential debate moderator, Chris Wallace, Mm. who will never be his father, and called Jen Psaki one of the best White House press secretaries (laughs) ever on Friday. He He sure did. did. Yeah, he jumped on the five, and when they started beating up Jen Psaki, he's like, well, you know, I consider her one of the best presidential White House press secretaries of all time. Well, oh I almost my got the god! Fully. These people are insane. He, do, he doesn't believe that himself. He's just saying it and telling you. I mean, ugh. yeah, he just likes to make all the people that actually still watch Fox News cringe a little bit more. Um, yeah. They they were talking about uh, you know, how there have not been spikes in communities where COVID mandate rules are are completely ignored. He started talking about sporting events in places like Florida and Texas, where even though they've let. 1.7 plus million people crossed the southern border in Texas this year, and it's been confirmed by the Department of Homeland Security that nearly 30% of all of those people were infected with COVID. The rates continue to drop there because they don't adhere to the ridiculous restrictions in states like that and in like Florida. Let's hear what he had to say when uh, he kind of pushed her on that one. Sports on TV these days, and if you watch sports, whether it's football games and stadiums or playoffs and baseball, you got some pictures up on the screen right now, uh, Doctor. You see hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of people all packed together, not a mask in sight. I understand it's outdoors, but what does it tell you that there have not been spikes in most of these communities when you have people crowded into football or baseball stadiums? 
We would still encourage people who are unvaccinated to wear a mask in those situations. But given that these games are outdoors, that tends to be a much safer environment. Finally, uh, the holidays. First of all, Halloween. What would you say that kids can do and can't do? God. I would say put on those costumes, stay outside and enjoy your trick or treating. Whether whether people are vaccinated or not, as long as you're outside, you're you're safe. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't gather in large settings um, outside and do screaming like you're seeing in those in those um, football games. If you're unvaccinated, those kids that are unvaccinated. But if you're spread out doing your trick or treating, that should be very safe for your children. And what about Thanksgiving and Christmas? You know, it's critically important that we gather, that we be together with our family and friends during these holidays. And we have the prevention strategies that we know work to be safe for those holidays. So what I would say is get yourself vaccinated before you gather. It will absolutely be safer if you're vaccinated. Any activity that is outdoors is safer than it is if it's indoors. And if you're gathering multiple households, make sure as many people are vaccinated as possible um, so you can protect the people who are vulnerable who might not yet be vaccinated, our young children, our elderly, and then do all those prevention strategies that we know work um, before you arrive and as you arrive to make sure that everybody can be safe for the holidays. Oh, my God. Shut your mouth. They literally were showing file footage of like Texas A&M, Penn State like Iowa where just the parts of the games where the fans dump onto the field at the end and they're all intertwined with the band and the football players and there's literally no science that backs up any kind of any spread because you know those would be the first places they'd go to try and shut it down if there was. And mm-hmm. she's over there segueing off of that, not answering the question, and then saying like, oh, yeah, you know, when it comes down to having like 10, 12 people in your home for Thanksgiving, it's really important for you to act like a complete jerk off and be double masked at the Thanksgiving table or eat it outside at the park in fucking the Great Lakes states where it's going to be 30 degrees and there's just... I, I can't believe that the the director of the CDC and Chris Wallace could go on a television show that's nationally syndicated and say that shit, like within 10 seconds, show those two pictures and then have her say that and think that anybody can believe it. Yeah. I know, right? It's insane. It's garbage. It, it, I, I don't understand that. And first of all, nobody has talked about on the media, the tens of thousands of people that were out in New York uh, yesterday yep. protesting these things that are going on in New York. Tens of thousands of people who are now vaccinated. So today, as I look out my window, are there ambulances all over the place and body bags flying? No, of course not. These football stadiums, are there? Are the hospitals overwhelmed? And is it is it just absolute chaos? No, of course not. Now, these should all be a good thing. Everyone should be like, wow, this is great. They should be celebrating this. Oh, nobody's dropping dead in droves. But- these people have you convinced that the human genome is different in liberal states than it is conservative states. Yep. Like Phil Murphy, as soon as he gets reelected, he says, if he gets reelected, he's going to implement this vaccine passport system, right? Look at Florida, a state with very similar demographics as New Jersey with clusters of populations in suburbs. They're not doing it nope. and they're fine. So is the human DNA different in Florida than it is in New Jersey? Of course not. The fact that they don't celebrate that people aren't dying in mass after these football games shows you all you need to know that this isn't about health. It's like, it's so obvious. So it's like, wake up people. But I'm telling you the, the, the majority of the population would rather get their fifth booster, stay inside wrapped in bubble wrap and live an easy life where the government tells them what to do. And to them, that's their moral purpose in life. 
and it's sad and it's pathetic, but it's the reality for so many millions, you know? Yeah. And, and you know what also is sad and pathetic is the fact that she continued on with that narrative piggybacked off of something we talked on last show. Uh, Beetlejuice ugh, <laughs> talked about losing potentially 50% of the entire police force in Chicago. Um, That's going to go well. Yeah, for, for also, you know, a place that has the highest crime and murder rate in, in probably the universe uh, since she's taken office. But Christopher Wallace tried to press her on this and, and see if she agrees with that narrative that you want to know what if these people are going to not click the boxes in their in their all staff email that says yes or no, I'm vaccinated or if they're not uh, adhere to getting tested or getting jabbed. How do you feel about, you know, all those police getting fired? Let's let's hear that one. I thought it was really interesting. You know, get to approval before we can make a judgment there. Let's talk about mandates for adults. Uh, the President Biden was asked about the quite controversial mandates for essential workers at his town hall this week. Take a look at his answer. Should police officers, emergency responders, be mandated to get vaccines? And if not, should they be stay at home or let go? Yes and yes. Now, Wait, mandates one? by government, by private companies have uh, of essential workers have generally worked. You see a big boost in vaccinations, even though there may be some grousing. But as you know, there are cases where police officers or health workers or pilots are walking off the job yep. rather than get the vaccine. Are you still full speed ahead on mandates for essential workers to get vaccinated? We have seen that these mandates are getting more and more people vaccinated. Here's what we know. The most disruptive thing that you can do to a workforce is to have a COVID outbreak in that <laughs> workforce. That will most definitely not only send people home, but it will send people to the hospital and some may pass. What we know from the police Firing workforce is that <laughs> there have been more deaths from the coronavirus over the last year and a half than all other causes of death for that workforce combined. So we believe it is very important to get these people vaccinated. There is a plan. Um, should these people not want to be vaccinated mm. towards education and oh. counseling mm. to get people the information they need so that they are feeling comfortable in getting vaccinated? But what about the argument that we're talking about public health here? And if you get and we've seen some real resistance, for instance, in the Chicago Police Department, in the interests of public health on vaccinations, if you have a large part of a police force leaving, in terms of public health, aren't you further behind the ball rather than having made gains? You know, the, the way you can down a police force is by having a COVID outbreak in that police force. So what we're... Come on, please. The, how about firing them? Yeah, also firing them. What? No, here, are, you, are these people is fucking anybody retarded? dying at home from COVID-19? I don't think so. Well, I want to ask I want to ask Noah a question real quick because he's got some real life experience. There's been some interesting uh, developments at Walmart as of late. Ugh. Um, <laughs> Noah, have you gotten sick lately? You haven't, right? No. Me also no. Yeah. There's something that's common between you and I. Yeah. Now we have two coworkers who you know stock shelves with us at Walmart and greet people every day. That they both seem to be double jabbed and they both have what right now? COVID nineteen. Imagine that. Yeah. Fucking crazy. Yeah. Mind blowing. Two How our, is that possible? Yeah, two of our double-jabbed co-workers have gotten COVID, and it's worse. There's than, more than that, though. There's a whole bunch. Right, but ones that I've personally talked to. Yeah. You know. No, there's one of the uh, management, too. Oh, wow. Imagine that. Double-jab, triple-jab, maybe? Who knows? And there at they least, are. At least double. Yeah, got gotten all sick from that stuff. 
Mike, talk about our first responders, our frontline workers. We've got a huge uh, heroes to fired in, in less than a year now. These people, regardless of how bad the pandemic ever was, there was something spreading. There were people getting sick, people in hospitals. You had crisis on the border. Uh, first responders all over the country, whether it's EMS, fire, or local police, who are now being given the ultimatum of like, well, you want to know what? Good job last year. Moving forward, if you don't get this unconstitutionally mandated vaccine, you're fired. I, I think it's just amazing the line in her uh, remarks about how, well, if they don't agree with it, we're gonna we're gonna give them counseling. We're gonna counsel them because they have a they have a mental problem if they want to take experimental drugs that have been proven that you'll literally get sick for what the drug is meant to protect you from, and then you want to take it. We'll give you we'll give them mental counseling. This is like I'm telling you, this is like scary stuff, and it's like either it's like either this is just a huge obviously push for big pharma. Or, which I think this is is more likely the case, I think Big Pharma is obviously making a lot of money, but I think this whole thing is the purity test of our times. It's yeah. like, let's get everybody out of essential functions uh, for the communities that do not want to toe the line of big government liberal leadership. So firefighters, police officers, the military, uh, you know, the people who work in the essential, the doctor's offices, emergency rooms, the people who are essential to the community, the military, let's weed them out of yeah. society. And this is the purity test. Federal government, same thing. So like I got family members working the federal government who literally had to take the vaccine, literally had to submit because it's like you get it or you're out. You know, that's it. No option for testing. You get it or you're out. So it's like the ultimate like, will these people be owned by us? Can we hold over their wages and they're going to be literally slaves to our company and our corporation and are, and their paychecks, will they be paycheck slaves or are they independent thinkers, you know, and you're not going to change them. Those people have been weeded out at this point because they're quitting or they're marching. They're holding the line, as they were saying in New York yesterday. Yeah. So they're literally weeding these people out in a purity test. And the people who are submitting, they're going, OK, these people submit to us because a lot of the people I'm telling you, probably the majority of them don't want to get the vaccine. Uh but they're forced to get it and they have to get it and they submit because they have no other way to do it. And that's why they like big businesses, the Democrat Party, because these big companies, they're big and they can mandate this. And if you don't like it, then leave. And the small companies, they're going to put them out of business because they're making it impossible for them to do business by, uh, you know, raising the cost in the, the supply chain stuff. So they can't afford that. It's not sustainable. So we're going to have a society of people working for large companies and they are slave to what the large company tells them to do. And if not, they lose their paycheck, their livelihood and independent business is getting crushed in this country. So I think that's like a more uh, deep conspiratorial way of looking at it. But conspiracy theorists at this point have been proven right time and time again. Yeah, that's that's 100 percent accurate. I mean, it seems like regardless of how much in the regular news we try to keep it, Every week, Agenda 2030 creeps back in and all of the stipulations, the destruction of the middle class, small business, independent thinkers, you'll own nothing and love it. Yeah. That's why you eat soy. Isn't everything. it crazy, though? Like they're replacing all these people, these like frontline workers and these doctors and nurses because they won't get the jab. But they're replacing them with people Who that aren't. are underqualified, that are immigrants, you know, that are, might not even be here legally. And they are not required to get the vaccine. Yep. So yep. this is not about. The virus. I mean, if people don't see that by now, I mean, you're you're that, that's an done. excellent point right there, because former red, white and truth guest 
Steve Hilton had on Laura Southern this weekend, and she made an, an excellent point on how this is not about public health. Let's hear what she had to say in regards in this last clip we're playing for COVID today. The thing, look, I'm not vaccinated. I mentioned this last night on Dan Bun Gino show. I've not had COVID to my knowledge, yet we see so many high profile people who are vaccinated who have gotten COVID. So how many people did those individuals spread COVID to? Are they dangerous? Should they be shamed? Should they be denied medical care because of that? It's so unserious. It's so anti-science. We've gotten to a place where there's no common sense allowed to exist here anymore. And we know it's not about public health. This White House wants to vaccinate 28 million children ages 5 to 11 who have an almost 100 percent survival rate against COVID. And if it was about public health, why would anything other than the vaccine vaccine be maligned? Why is ivermectin maligned? Why are monoclonal antibodies maligned? They were when DeSantis first uh, started pushing them. If it was about public health, wouldn't we want an all-of-the-above approach? Wouldn't it be anything that could potentially save lives? Why is it only the vaccine or else? Yeah, that was that was actually uh, Lisa Booth, not Laura Southern, appearing on Steve Hilton over the weekend. But she makes she makes some excellent, you know, points in regards to why why is the vaccine the only way? Why is it the only route? Where are the the natural therapeutics? Where are the alternative medicines? The monoclonal therapy and stuff like that, which are not even offered once you get admitted, and once you get admitted to a hospital, you might as well. Kiss well, it they goodbye. Well, they're, not, they're not allowed so to give it to you. Tell yeah. how many people are actually dying from it. <laughs> yeah, it's just all a big cover up and a massive. Experiment. And like I said, we say it all the time. If it was the worst virus in the history of everything, would one hundred and one thousand fans be emptying themselves onto the field at Iowa two weeks ago? Yeah. Or or <laughs> and, and would would these people literally like Mike said in New York City yesterday? First responders and essential workers did a march. There were tens of thousands of people marching. You know, if this was so bad, you would have the, you know, CDC police coming in their bio suits and arresting everybody and taking them. But it's not. Everybody does their thing and like, anybody. yeah, they go home the next day and life goes on and the cases drop and the hospitalizations drop and the deaths drop because it is what it is. And it's not what they say it is. Well, if, if it was is, as if bad, it was real nobody would be the government would not have to convince anybody to be safe and wash their hands and get a vaccine, wear a mask. Yeah, I mean, it's very clear. That it's nothing about health. You, you see the uh, the and I saw this as a clip somewhere. I saw it on the internet in Texas, the trying to get the prescription for ivermectin, and uh, they wouldn't give it to the guy. Yes, uh, yeah. the pharmacy. It's they like they they don't they do not want anything that bucks the big pharma uh, dollar figure bottom line at this point, right? So obvious, prescribed by the doctor. Um, You know, Joe Rogan continues to talk about it as Don Lemon continues to slander him because Don Lemon is the corporate media, bought and paid for, sponsored by Pfizer. So it's like, it's so obvious at this point. And the fact that they're making it, and I saw this report that some Southern states were saying that the Biden administration was restricting, I think it was by 30%. Uh, the antibodies and the treatment and all those drugs that they would bring into those states. So they're making it harder to do it. And they're making your only outlet, the vaccine. And nobody wants to talk about, you know, ingredients of the vaccine that people might be allergic to uh, religious exemptions, the fetal cells uh, that were used to, uh, to make the vaccine. It's just like, all of that is just null and void. You can't talk about it. Otherwise you're a crazy person, but clearly they're the fucking crazy people. <laughs> Yeah, two two pharmacies would not fill up my prescription for ivermectin. Legit yeah. prescription from a doctor. They said, no, we are not filling it up for COVID-19. I'm like, by my doctor, you know, wrote it. The, it has wrote nothing it to do with the pharmacy. They have no 
That's what the doctor's for. Yep. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Thank God for people like our supporters who go out and, you know, risk their necks to help us get things like ivermectin and, uh, you know, things like that, because it's just, it's, it's ridiculous what's going on right now. And it's, it's so off the wall and out of control. I, I don't know how it's been able to go on, be going on for so long, because all you see is the complete opposite of what they tell you literally happening on TV on an everyday basis. You had that March in New York, like I said, sports games every weekend. Um, you had another event in, uh, Brooklyn the other day, there, there was a March for Kyrie Irving, uh, where, yeah. where, where they had a couple thousand people show up. And it's just one of those things where, you know, uh, at some point it's going to hopefully have to click for, for some of these normies and, and people that aren't, you know, wakened up yet because we're heading into the holiday season at, at the same time when they're trying to go after your children, it's going to make for a recipe for disaster when you consider all the other stuff going on economically, uh, not to just worry about the virus or the vaccine. <laughs> and then you have all these federal uh, employees and, and people in the military getting ready to be fired. And it's just crazy. I, the airlines were saying, oh, can you wait until after the holidays to put in the new mandates? This was yeah. such a bad pandemic. Why would we have to wait until after the busiest travel season to put yeah. in the new things? Wouldn't there be mass death in that busy travel season? Oh, can you wait till after the travel season to put it in? It just goes to show how disingenuous it is. And I mean, you talk about what was going on this weekend in the city. You had BLM people and Trump people uh, marching together, uh, protesting side by side. And the funny thing about all this is it's like we got an election for New York City mayor here. Yep. One candidate very specifically opposes vaccine mandates. One candidate has said on the stage that he supports the mandates. And it's like, why isn't that candidate, you know, winning? A poll came out today. He's down 30 points. How is that possible? Who are those people? How are they such sheep? It's like, are these cities gone for good? I think maybe at this point. Yeah. Yeah, New York, Chicago, San Francisco, probably, I'd have to say yes. Yeah. Um, it's just really sad. All right, round and third now, heading into our last topic, we have new revelations on, on the January 6th committee, et cetera. Um, a story that broke yesterday on Tucker Carlson tonight via the revolver and Mr. Darren Beatty, but of one of our favorite accounts, the Daily Breb who outlined some of the things that Darren Beatty used in, in making his uh, analysis on some of the stuff that's going on with that committee and people who aren't being charged. Uh, let's hear some of the segment that Tucker played last night in regards to uh, how many feds may or may not Encouraging. have been at the uh, January A couple 6th. months ago, we made a pretty obvious point. Hey, a lot of people who are in the crowd urging others to break into the Capitol on January 6th have never been indicted. Could they have been working, in fact, for the DOJ? Well, we were attacked for saying that. Turns out they were. And a new report from Revolver News, which is almost unbelievable, brings forth even more evidence that the Department of Justice was absolutely involved in the events of that day. The editor of Revolver News joins us next. What happened on January 6th, and actually we strongly agree with that. At a recent hearing in Congress, Thomas Massey of Kentucky confronted our highly partisan Attorney General Merrick Garland with this footage, it's of a man called Ray Epps, who mm. apparently lives in Arizona. Epps was in Washington the night before, January 5th. He was encouraging Trump supporters to enter the Capitol building illegally. He said it numerous times. Now, in this clip, some people in the crowd immediately decided this guy must be working for the federal government. We'll call Watch him the Fed. <laughs> we need to go in to the Capitol. Let's go! 
out there and probably going to go to jail for it. Tomorrow, we need to go into the Capitol. Into the Capitol. State. We don't know the truth of this at all. It's awfully weird, though. I think any reasonable person would agree. Ray Epps is always welcome on this show. We always want to hear directly from people. So if you are Ray Epps and you're watching, please call us because we'd love. So, Mike, you know, one of the interesting parts about that whole thing with the, the narrative with Ray Epps is even though they pressed Merrick Garland on it last week and he refused to answer any questions because of the ongoing investigation, it's, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things. But the FBI was able to confirm that this person is number one, not under investigation. And number two has not been charged with anything, which number three means that he is what everybody says. He is a retired federal officer who was used as one of the plants in instigating January 6th. Um, what are your, I mean, we haven't really talked about this issue with you yet, but it's definitely one that's uh, coming back to the forefront. Probably is a distraction for all the shit that's going on with, with Biden and his build back crappier tour that he's got going on now but um talk about it with us well i uh and it's funny i was i was saying this uh last night um i was talking at a local uh gop thing but it's really funny how people in the local community still don't understand this narrative about january 6th these are local gop people that it is all too convenient that what happened on january 6th was perfectly packaged right before the biden regime came into place right we won't call it the administration the biden regime came mm -hmm. in came in place. Trump was talking about the legitimate, incredible election fraud that took that took place. Senators were being forced because of all the public pressure to do something about it. Right. So a lot of them were trying to dance around it. You saw um, uh, Holly was taking a stand about it. Other people in Congress were uncomfortably supporting it because their constituents at home were saying, you got to do something about this. Yep. We got to make this stand. All of that went away conveniently for many Republicans and obviously the Democrats, all of that went away in one flash when January 6th happened. All those legitimate concerns were wiped away. So convenient that that happened. And it gave the corporate media, we'll never say mainstream, the corporate media, something to talk about for all of Biden's terms as he's destroying the country, systematically fucking it up on purpose. As he's doing that, they always have a foil still about Donald Trump's failed insurrection plot, insurrection, yeah. people walking through velvet ropes. Yep. So it's like it's so obvious when you look at the footage that comes out that they don't play on TV. Right. Wouldn't the mainstream media, corporate media love to say, oh, wow, you know what? Our democracy is better than we thought. It really look at all this new footage. It wasn't an insurrection. Right. We're learning these things. This is good. Our society is more unified and together. No, they're stoking that. And nobody showed the footage at the Department of the Interior yesterday right. uh, or that last week that Merrick Garland refused to call an insurrection when angry mob, climate change mob, was trying to go into the uh, Department of Interior. And nobody said that was an insurrection. Nobody said when the BLM folks who were outside the White House during the George Floyd bullshit at the barricades, yep. injuring Secret Service people, no one called that an insurrection. All too convenient that January 6th happened how it did. It gave all of the rhinos and Democrats an out to talk about election fraud, address election fraud, to talk about it. That kind of wiped away. Mm -hmm. And it gave the corporate media talking points, anti-Trump talking points for the Biden regime's first couple of years, which everybody knew would be a disaster and that moderates and Republicans and even Democrats would be pissed about. All too convenient. I'm not buying it. I said this yesterday to people 
and they like had their jaw dropped. How could you say that? But it's the truth. Yeah. And it just goes to show you that even Republicans could be manipulated by the media. They think Fox News is their friend. And I used to be a defender of Fox News to my, you know, hard right friends. I used to be, no, Fox News isn't that bad. But then as I watched it more and more, I'm like, wait a minute, they are losing it. Yeah. When, the, when Chris Wallace is saying the things he's saying, when they have Kamala Harris advisors on as segment panelists, I see. And it's like, what is going on here? So Fox News, Neil Cavuto the other day was hilarious, you know, with that vaccine uh, sob story <laughs> as he has COVID. Yeah. Um, so it's just like, it's ridiculous. And uh, I think the January 6th thing was 100 uh, percent false flag designed to wipe away the um, responsibility of people to look into election fraud and give the corporate media talking points for uh, the next couple of years that they knew would be disastrous for the American people as Biden ruined it. Yeah, it seems like it was one big lie. And another piece of uh, information about that guy, Ray Epps, has, has come out over the last couple of days. So, so there's some viral video, you know, and, and on January 6th, some people did some fucked up stuff, whether they were BLM or Antifa or people that were kind of retardedly, uh, you know, egged on to wind up doing, there's a, there's a part of a video where, where there's a guy who's trying to get into the front of the Capitol. He's got a flag. He kind of down swipes it at a police officer. And then when the police officer like pushes back off him and backs away, the guy takes it like a fucking javelin and throws it and hits the police officer in the face. Now that video has been cycling around for months. Everybody's probably seen it. And it's one of the ones that they use when, you know, they'll have some jerk off on like MSNBC or CNN and they'll be talking about January 6th or anything to do with Donald Trump. And for some reason they always go to like random file footage of January 6th. And it's always that stuff. The people like all like <laughs> jumping in front of the door and then people throwing stuff. You mean the Antifa instigators, right? But they don't show anything like Ray Epps or the cops throwing flashbangs in the crowd of people not doing anything or the people handing out bats in the beginning of the, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it. Noah does a pretty good thing with it. I hope he says it right now insurrection but that guy ray epps now in a longer piece of that video which we haven't seen yet was with that guy who threw the flag like a javelin and before that guy got all fired up picked up a fucking sign and threw it at the police officers <laughs> so so you had a guy that was saying we need to go into the capitol we need to get arrested we need to do this that and the other thing now instigating other people who may have been acting like idiots they might have been drunk or they might have been really fired up and you know there are people who did some stupid shit on that day, but what it is and what it was is not what the, what the you know Silicon Valley tells you it is. It's not what big tech tells you what it is, and it's definitely not you know like Mike said, walking inside of the velvet ropes. We've also seen videos of people picking up trash afterwards inside the the Capitol. Yeah, there's going to be assholes in any group of any sort of people, however their politics are. Right. There's always going to be some dumbass. Yeah, I, I really do think like hacker group that could like hack into like network TV and play like that. You know, that Woo's news 20 minute <laughs> yeah. video that just proves the whole thing was staged. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a, played on a loop on TV for people to watch. They, they might be waiting for the right moment. I'm still going to stick by my guns is the worst thing that happened on that day is that someone took a big hot shit on Mitch McConnell's desk and uh, I'll leave it as that. <laughs> worst? <laughs> oh, oh, I earned it today. Um, <laughs> but but it is a big lie. And you want to know who kind of continues to to push that narrative is we had to play him last week. We all hate his voice. Uh, extremely punchable face. Adam Schiff took to the late night circuit this week to talk about, uh, you know, the mob that attacked the Capitol on January 6th uh, were the ones who believed the big lie about the election. Let's hear what he had to say in a brief clip. Where I, I believe he's talking with Stephen Colbert. 
to more and more of the footage of these, these insurrectionists beating police officers and bear spraying them and gouging their eyes. Wait, what? I, I remember huh? thinking, oh, these people really believe that lie. <laughs> but, but inside the chamber, these insurrectionists in suits and ties, they understood it was a lie. Oh. Uh, and, and that, to me, was just unforgivable. Uh, if, if we cannot trust that our elections can be used to legitimately decide disputes or who should govern, then it leaves it open to violence. Uh, and they continue to push that lie. I mean, just a week ago, Steve Scalise, one of the top Republicans in the House, was asked repeatedly on Fox, can you say, can you, can you just say the election wasn't stolen? And he couldn't bring himself to do it. Good. Uh, and one Me of the reasons neither. I wrote this book is I, I saw these colleagues of mine change in four years. I saw them slowly surrender to the immorality of this president. Oh, God. And I wanted to explain how does that happen? How do people who, who once believed in an ideology, who once believed in morality, come to so easily capitulate to someone with, with such apparent flaws? Because at the end of the day, um, it's not a problem in how our Constitution is drafted, the Constitution is brilliant. But if people don't uphold their oath, if they don't give uh, content to those provisions in the Constitution, if they don't live up to the spirit in which they were written, none of it works. Well, he's actually right in that last statement yeah. because there were a lot of people on the other side of the aisle who didn't uphold their oath, who didn't acknowledge, respect, or try to fight for the Constitution on January 6th. And it happens to be all of those pussies who kind of just took a step back and said, you know what, shit's getting too real for me. I'm going to just worry about not doing this and we're going to certify this fraudulent and stolen election instead. Yeah, I I, uh, I got to tell you one thing on the January 6th protesters. I, I got to say, this is the Democrats at their, you call it their best or their worst. It's like they are so conniving. They trapped. And like you talk about the people who like got arrested and the Trump people. Yeah. It's like they entrap those people because yep. like you're in the crowd. You got the instigators. They know psychological people think you get people riled up. You, they go, OK, we're going to put these FBI people. We're going to put them in there and poison the bunch because then people who are really passionate they're in the moment. We're going to rile them up. They're going to start breaking stuff that came on good intentions, but they got these manipulative people who were trained to do these things. FBI people manipulating good people to act in a way they normally wouldn't act. And, you know, you hear Schiff talk about the Constitution. You hear him talk about these values and this oath. It's like this is why I always say Republicans need to stop trying to, you know, in many cases, you know, oh, we're going to, you know, bipartisanship and work across the aisle and do the, all these good things. It's like, when have Democrats ever tried to do that in the last 20 years? Never. Never. They don't try. They don't try to be moderate. They don't try to reach across the aisle. They literally, you heard Adam Schiff there, call Republican members of Congress, you know, they call them insurrectionists in suits and ties, yeah. talking about members of Congress. It's like they have no interest in this. And the only way to beat these people is by counterforce you know not you know force like violence but force like in in the local elections yeah taking stands being bold and angry about it mobilizing and getting these people the hell out and that's why i think it's so great um that trump is endorsing people in primaries because if and when he comes back in 2024 um you know he's going to need members of congress not the paul ryan fucking loser rhino types right but like the real ones um, you know, the ones that we talk about uh, that are going to actually fight and help him implement his agenda, because the number one problem that he had was that he had members of Congress that were in there, the holdovers uh, that were not working in his best interest. No. Trump's 
uh, that were Republicans. And that was terrible, obviously. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely an excellent point. I, I think it too would include in that uh, big narrative of jerk offs. Someone who, you know, he's been going around a lot lately. I, I can't honestly stand him. And, and and I don't know what it is that Donald Trump keeps from Mark Meadows. Like, not a huge <laughs> I mean, he, he he's like a, a Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell 3.0. He's, he might as well just be another one of them. And it's going to take one, one big pressure from either Big Pharma or someone in the media that's going to compromise this guy, and then you'll see him voting just as shitty as they do. Um you know, I, I mean, maybe behind the scenes there was some some real loyalty shown because you know Donald Trump is that kind of a guy, uh, but at the same time, it's 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 just not something I, I can't stand that guy. Um, last audio clip we're going to cover today, and it was kind of a positive one. Uh, definitely shows how much of a mental disorder it being on the left is right now. So, former top administrator Condoleezza Rice. Oh, oh yeah appeared on The View on Friday. Now, they've had quite a few... She went rogue. ...guests lately backfire oh, yeah. on them. You know, they're like, you know, she was always kind of a moderate. She's a little bit hawkish, but she's kind of, like, sweet. She's very soft-spoken, but she's tough. We're going to bring her on. We're going to we're gonna encircle her in. We're going to badger her into saying something. Well, let me read you a headline of an article that, that came out one hour after she appeared on the show where we're not going to get into this part of it, but she pushed back super hard on critical race theory and said it was the, one of the worst things imaginable. Like, as a black woman who is a doctor, who has, you know, you know worked herself into places of the highest power, um, how awful it was. Um, tell me how this article sounds. It's kind of like a lead-in for how great her interview went on The View. Condoleezza Rice's critical race stance uh, and commentary on The View proves she's a foot soldier for white supremacy. Oh! <laughs> oh, my God. For, all, for everybody in our listening audience who's not familiar with Condoleezza Rice. Wait, wait, wait. So she's an African-American Would woman. you say that she's the black oh. face of foot black. soldiers for white supremacy? There you go. Wow. Um, but they We're going to keep adding to that and just make it longer and longer. Yeah, they, they, they actually did, after talking about CRT, get her try to get her on january 6th and it was one of those things where they like talked about it and you know she gave some commentary and they didn't really like it they're like but, but yeah wasn't it kind of bad but wasn't it kind of bad but wasn't it kind of bad and she, at some point she's like well well no listen and <laughs> let, let's let's hear what she said when they really pushed her on this one right here politically expedient for for mitch mcconnell to say let's move on let's move on especially when uh the former twice impeached disgraced president mm. um it, it enjoys attacking mitch mcconnell somebody but turn the on problem the laugh is button that past will become prologue if we don't find out exactly what happened january and 6th. we will so it's not it's not time right we, now we will we will find out we, we must I, find we out we will find out moving on we will find out but I'm yeah. going to tell you, I live in California, not Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. And the American people do have other concerns that we ought to be thinking about I, and talking about. Respectfully, and Madam so, Secretary, I well, think that... Well, let me, let me finish mm -hmm. now, Sonny. Because, um, as I said, like, I thought this would happen in countries, countries I studied, not countries that I lived in. Mm -hmm. Our institutions have to be upheld. What happened on January 6th was wrong. I don't know how much more strongly I can say what happened on January 6th was wrong. I also know that as a government and as a country, we've got to be concerned about the things that are making life hard for Americans and hard for American families. But when you have, And that's what I'm ready to but do. But when you have 80% of Republicans wanting to see Trump run in 2024, I'm a political scientist, all right? Mm -hmm. And unless I could see the questions that were actually in that poll, unless I could see the assumptions that were actually in that poll, 
I'm not going to take for granted that that poll is correct. So Quinnipiac, you don't believe in, uh, in, no, in those I polls? No, I said I'm a political scientist. I understand polls. <laughs> and unless mm -hmm. I really knew what was in that poll, I just want to repeat as to what I want to see in my party. Well, bitch. What, yeah, what do you think? I, I know. They, they, they really tried to roll up on it. I mean, yeah, she, she was she was good for her. I mean, I don't really. I mean, no, she, really, she, honestly, I'm really impressed. I mean, why wouldn't they shut the fuck up? They were nervous. Yeah, they kept <laughs> as soon as she didn't like go right down the road with them of like, oh, yeah, worse insurrection like 9-11. Fuck that. Uh, Pearl Harbor. Oh, my God. Not even close. What happened on the Capitol? A couple dozen boomers. Mitch McConnell's office getting shit in, water bottles all over the floor, uh, Buffalo guy walking in the chamber and sitting in the chair, probably worse than all of them combined. Did I mention the Holocaust as well? You could throw that one in there, probably mm. worse than that. As soon as she pushed back it on a little bit, they try. To, she's like, okay, listen. Yeah. And then they try to start steering, and then she's I'm like, oh, fuck, no, I'm steering now. I, know what I'm I don't know if you heard it because they were talking over her so loud. She's like, actually, I've been and lived in these countries. I haven't just studied them like you. And the girl was like, mm. she sat back oh, in her chair. Yeah. She's like, yeah, we're going there. I <laughs> got him. <laughs> you just saw such a difference in intelligence levels yeah i mean you had condoleezza rice who is you know obviously don't agree with everything that she does no. but obviously a woman of intellect uh with these you know babbling you know buffoons on television these little puppets that are obviously not smart because you heard how they reacted oh but isn't it it's like these people are living in a bubble to the to, to condoleezza rice's point they are insulated from the realities of what's going on that the thanksgiving is going to be more expensive than any other Thanksgiving ever, that inflation is killing people because inflation's outpacing wage growth and all these other things, gas prices. It's like the things that actually affect real Americans. And then they look, and I was looking at this other day, I'm like, all they talked about on CNN for an hour was the Steve Bannon thing, right? Yep. It's like do Ameri do Americans in middle America or even in the inner cities give a fuck about the January 6th probe. No, they really don't care. It's you know who cares about that? The corporate media, because it's these little storylines that they make money on and get ratings on. So it's just such BS. And uh, you know, good for Condoleezza Rice. And I'm telling you, people let George Bush off the hook with this disgusting remark, and other people who say this, that the insurrection, people walking through velvet robes, was worse than 9-11. I don't understand how anybody who uttered those words, and there's many of them who have, who have not been ostracized from society and delegitimize because that is one of the most disgusting comments probably in the history of comments ever in political commentary. It's yeah. gross. Um, and Bush said it, but surprise, surprise there, right? No, you're, you're 100% correct. And it's one of those things this morning, you, you mentioned that I, I was scrolling through some reels this morning on Instagram and you know, the, the jumpers came up. Ugh. Yeah. And it's like one of those things when, when you just think about that, uh, regardless of what you think about nine 11, how it happened, what happened in it, you know, who was behind it and, a lot of people died on that day. Yeah. A lot of first responders yeah. died that yeah. day. A lot of people who were working uh, in the upper floors in those buildings died on, the, on that day. You can't ever take that away from it. And to think that something, um, you know, and try to compare it to like one of the biggest boomer events in the history of the world. It's just disrespectful. Yeah. I mean, to anybody was like who, reeling over 9-11. I, I had family in Europe that were bawling that were like, yeah, himself for what happened. And they're comparing it to fucking January 6th. That's, just that just shows you how people on that side of the aisle and in the Republicans, you know, in name only who, who go along and, and chime into this whole January 16th. That's how much they care about that. Uh, yeah. you, know, you know, when they compare it to those things, that's how much they care about those Americans who died. They don't, they yeah, don't, they never, they never did. So and that, that says everything you need to know about that. About yeah. 11, right? Yeah, it sure does. Excellent addition today. What do you think, Noah? It was good. Yeah. News friend show. I like it. Yeah, Definitely. 
We're going to have to uh, take one of our guests coming on this Friday, Miss Heather Mullins from Real America's Voice, and see if we get all three of them on next time. Ooh, that'd be good. Yeah. Uh, but before we get into it, we'd like to thank our guest today on the back half of the show, Mr. Mike Crispy, host of Red, White, and Truth Podcast from Right Side Broadcasting Network, for coming back, not only spending some time with us today, but lending some awesome commentary and insight onto all the things going on news for you. Mike, thanks for coming on. Oh, absolutely. My pleasure, as always, guys. You guys are the best, and uh, it's an honor to always be on. Seriously, I appreciate being invited back. Perfect. That means that after the holiday season, which we're getting ready to enter soon, we'll be definitely requesting for you to come back on the show. Uh, Before we get into it, why don't you tell all of our listeners where they could find you on social media, about the show, where they could download it and support you. Absolutely. Just on all social platforms, easy enough, at Red White Truth. That's all you got to do, at Red White Truth, redwhitetruth.com. On YouTube, Red, White, and Truth. We're doing Rumble now, big time, Red, White, and Truth. Everywhere, you search that, you'll find it. And then obviously on RSBN, um, on Rumble, the RSBN mobile app. Uh, we're back on RSBN's Facebook page. Nice. Uh, they removed one of the you know arbitrary uh, strikes that they gave. Uh, still banned on the RSBN YouTube, but just Red, White, Truth. Search that anywhere, you'll find the show. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's, it's an awesome show. I listen to it every week. Let me tell you something. The energy that Mike... And Frankie bring to that show is not something that we could uh, reciprocate on Steak for Breakfast ever. We can't do it. We, 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 we just, it's so much energy and passion. Uh, give it a listen. I'm sure you'll like it, if not love it. You know what else I love? Listening to the Steak for Breakfast podcast. You can find us on all major downloadable podcasting platforms. We are on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Podbean, Google Podcast, FM Player, and now iHeartRadio. Subscribe to the show, rate it, leave a review, and don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share. Um, Show creds. Christina Bob of OAN, of course. Mike Crispy of the Red, White, and Truth podcast. Definitely in the show creds for this week, as well as some of the uh, regulars. The Bread Room for giving insight into that Ray Epps information that went into the article that Darren Beatty broke on Tucker Carlson tonight, last night. Dawnstar1776, The Moose is Loose, Cagbro88, Babe Does the News, Emerald Robinson of Newsmax as well. We pulled a clip from her and read off an article from Tom Pappert, editor-in-chief of The National File. Ladies and gentlemen, don't forget to follow our sponsors. They're small American businesses, and we want to make them great again. Um, Odyssey, in-studio recording gear. Headphones, you need them. You want the best of them. Odyssey.com, they're on Facebook, and they're on Instagram. Stay ready gear. Hunting season's coming up. Mm. Buy a shoddy, buy a rifle, or an extra pistol. Put it in your stocking for Christmas. Mike's at westcoastsurvivalarms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Stay ready, gear. Going to show Mike one of these uh, Steak for Breakfast beer. What? Coasters. Coasters. Uh, We have a dump tray right there for all the crap we bring into the studio. Noah's got his... His holster with steak for gear on it. They got really good stuff. StayReadyGear.com, Facebook, and Instagram. Mediocre Medic, all our first responders out there. If you're not getting fired in the next month and you plan on keeping your job, MediocreMedic.com. You'll love their Instagram. And Mark Joe Friday, owner, operator, CEO, DumpBox.us, home of the zero fuck stuff. If you don't know, get over to DumpBox.us. or on Facebook. They're on Instagram as well. You're going to waste a lot of money on that website. Um, upcoming shows. Got some good ones coming down the pike. Friday's going to be a little bit of a disaster for Noah, but it's probably going to be good for you guys. We think 
Carrie Lake is a lock. We're also going to have Maria Z of Z News, uh, a big account on YouTube out of Australia. We're going to get a lot of insight to the dumpster fire that's going on down there. Miss Carrie, she's behind the Stilettos and Shotgun accounts. Huge 2A, huge empowering women and helping them get their concealed carry permits. She's going to come down and give us a little bit of the news on her end. And then Heather Mullins, correspondent for Real America's Voice. That's going to be this Friday. Raheem Kassam's coming on. On November 2nd, and Jessica Harlow, the Jessica Harlow podcast. She's a fashionista. She also plays a lot of Fuck Joe Bidens in her uh, Instagram story. So I reached out to her. I said, I like what you do with the hair and nails, but I like the Fuck Joe Biden a little bit more. You want to come on the show and talk about it? She said, sure. It's going to be a good one. Nice. Yeah, we've got our friend show coming up on the 5th of November with the Reverse Mockingbird getting ready to drop his podcast, The Calling Investor Account, who's connected to the whole Clay Clark and the Reawaken America Tour movement. And Truth on Draft 2.0, who's working to sponsor and help military families who are losing their jobs, finding them employments in states all over the place. We're going to circle back with Kyle Becker on the 9th of November and on 11-12, formerly of Playboy and of Maxim. Currently of the Great Awakening Movement, Miss Elizabeth Jade will be joining us. Um, so good shows coming up down the road, and, and we're definitely looking forward to it. Um, Friends of the Week, some of the regulars, Friend of Memes X. The Duke of Memes, who was part of Meme Team last week, in addition to Grand Old Memes, That Southern Dude, and Mostly Peaceful Memes, Snack Nicholson. <laughs> Two weeks in a row, backup account is Uncharted Territory. That's so good. Tara in Texas and Mr. Sheep No More and the Defiant Party of their new podcast, which is pretty awesome. Go on Sheep's account and check that out. Things we need to do in between now and Friday, ladies and gentlemen. We say it every week. Do your own research. Mike's a responsible show host. No, Antoinette and myself, we talk all week. We do our own research. We make sure we don't give you any bullshit on this show. If you think it is, go and do your research and figure out for yourself. Hold the line. Ride it. Buy the dip. Get the fuck in here. Snatch the wigs. Ice your balls. Let's see what happens. But most importantly, where we go one, we go all. This has been episode 76 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. We'll be back with a big old show. Four guests coming in on Friday. On behalf of the crew, I'm Roan. Noah? Yo, out of here. Awesome job, Antoinette. Hi, guys. Have a good day. And our back half guest, Mike Crispy. All right, all right. Thanks for listening, and take care. Looking at asses and shit, and I seen... Little yoga pants coming out the nail salon. So I looked, I peeped the ass out, and I was like, damn, she thick as fuck. Turn around, TT. I was like, damn, nigga, what you doing out here with all this ass? Double cheeked up on a Thursday afternoon, hella ass. The sun is still out, my nigga. And-